Gozer the Gozerian. The name of the county of Somerville, state of Oklahoma, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, all the members of Ducks Unlimited, the Association for the Advancement of Retired Persons, I command you under the National Invasive Species Act to depart this world immediately. Bravo. I think she remembers us. Are you... a god? Ray? Oh, come on, Ray. Yes. Yeah, we're all gods. Well, You know, we should get this party started. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> Let me take a sip of my Coca-Cola from my Ghostbusters Afterlife cup. <laughs> mm. Spooky. All right. <clears throat> Hello and welcome, finally, dear listeners and THSP fans. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 67, and our episode, That Ghostbusters Afterlife episode. We have a lot of catching up and a brand new Kids Corner segment with Nate, where we chat up Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So let's get this party started. Hola, Christopher Koenig. Happy belated New Year and THSP anniversary. How are you, good sir? Uh, I'm doing just fine. Um, as we have announced on our uh, Facebook fan page, we, are, we had decided to take a little sabbatical. But, you know, because of uh, things that have happened in the past beginning of this year, you know, with or as well as the end of last year, such as, you know, like that new Omicron variant, it was probably a good idea that we do an episode <laughs> to prove to everybody that we are still alive and well. And uh, and, and what better way than to talk about uh, a move to, to to talk about a film not from twenty. 2022 but from 2021 which is ghostbusters afterlife mm -hmm. the uh, long-awaited um follow-up to the uh the, the um ghostbusters uh, uh franchise and um uh had we been smarter we probably would have tackled this episode maybe in november or december but we were so busy with the empire pictures retrospective that... and then that santa jaws episode <laughs> right 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 that we just we we couldn't have done it but you know what as the old saying goes, better late than never, or in, in our case, a day late and a, a, dollar, a dollar short. But, a um, buck and a half short. <laughs> yeah, a buck and a half short. But um, we had decided that to record this episode to uh, tackle this um, this new entry in the series. Actually, I think, Tim, was I think this was kind of more of a spur of the moment thing, because I think I emailed you and said, yeah. uh, oh, Tim... I think we should just do an episode, you know, just to show everybody we're still kicking. Why don't we do Ghostbusters Afterlife? And, and I'm like, like, sure. I just saw the movie twice in the theater. Let's oh, do okay. it. <laughs> so you got a good point of reference for it. You know, yeah, I'm like, I just, I didn't get to see it in the theater. I I pretty much waited until you know VOD to check it out. Yes, when I when it, when it dropped on uh, on my Voodoo account. <laughs> right, right, right. And um, you know, I mean, we'll get into it, but yes. Uh, but before we do, yes, um, what's been going on with us? 
Uh, well, you know, we're still coming up with new episode ideas. Um, right now, not much else is going on. Me, I'm just still doing what I've been doing, which is working, you know, making a living, <laughs> as, as we all do. But I feel like we work I, so hard for the money. Yes, yes, because <laughs> as we all know, we we don't we 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 uh, don't quite roll in the millions on this show. But no. um, Spotify has not offered us a contract yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, I mean, I'm sure once when this episode drops, the the smoke will clear in regards to the Joe Rogan controversy. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, no, Spotify has not offered us anything. Shit, not even Rumble. I'm I'm very upset. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it just been busy and trying to get through this winter and. Uh, we didn't quite get hit with a lot of snow, but uh, you know, it, 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 the, the last couple of weeks were bitterly cold. Yeah, yeah and, we, uh, we got the cold, but no snow. <laughs> right, right. But that's that's all that's going on with me, Tim. I mean, what what have you got that's happened yeah. to you uh, last year, as well as this beginning of the new year? Wow, that, quite a bit. Um, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> how much time well, do you got? Let me ask you a question, Tim. Will it take up the entire episode? Jesus, how much time do you got? No, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I'll keep it brief. After our last recording with Dave, and we finished up our Empire Pictures production, um, production, production and editing, um, went to Romania to visit uh, for Christmas and the New Year. So we spent about two, three weeks out there, uh, you know, for Christmas and the New Year. Uh, kids, we had our first uh, Christmas away from home, and at my in-laws' house. So that was fun. Um, yeah, we went, just hung out, drank, played cards, ate, um, you know, a lot of merriment. In myrrh, as you like to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I kind of Netflix and chilled for like two weeks uh, over there. I got a couple of tattoos, no, three tattoos actually, because uh, it's much cheaper in Romania <laughs> than it is in the States. <laughs> well, hopefully that, that means that they did it correctly. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure, for sure. These guys okay. are licensed and All bonded right. and they did fantastic work. I just, for uh, for just a point of example, I've got this like um, arm tattoo uh, and you've seen it, Chris, it's old, but I spent yeah. roughly, uh, it's about uh what 12 13 years old i got it before nate was born and nate's my son's 10 anyway so i got i paid like 175 for that for three tattoos i spent under 300 dollars. <laughs> so i'm like all right that works <laughs> i like your work you know they're you know they, they've won some awards uh, for their, their for their tattoo parlor i'm like all right sweet 300 american dollars but again our the dollar strong in uh in romania so it works well uh so anyway we were in romania for the holidays, came back, you know, went back to work and was doing that. The kids went back to school. We got back into, my daughter got back into dance and gymnastics and my son was, got back into Taekwondo and we're getting ready for the football and baseball season. So the next few months are going to be extremely busy, but yeah, it's, uh, that's what's going on here. Uh, we've, um, we've got the snow too. Uh, it's yesterday was like 45 degrees. It was gorgeous. Out. We took the dogs out for a walk that we hadn't done that like two months <laughs> uh, just because it's like negative 20 out most of the time. But now we're getting a new storm front that's heading through. It should be uh, be around here about 11 o'clock tonight. So Minnesota is going to get slammed apparently. <laughs> How about you guys? Are you well, guys so, getting slammed? No, I haven't heard anything yet, but so are you basically saying that, that you're going to get the winter apocalypse? Uh yeah, the, the, uh, the snowmageddon yeah yeah snowmageddon yeah Jesus all right for, if you if you guys don't remember this in Chicago from the, what 2010 we had the snowmageddon where it was like we got what like I don't know like 25 inches of snow oh my god I remember that it, it, it's hard to forget that too yeah because um you know that that. Oh my God! It was like a wall of it. I mean, it was huge. I know, yeah. It was huge. I was, yeah, it was but, massive. I remember but, being in my apartment, and like 
Yeah, I'm not going to work today. <laughs> but that was 2010, and this is 2022. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that will never happen again. <laughs> yes. Well, we, we we got dumped on earlier this year, or I guess still last year, last December. Well, yeah, last year. <laughs> but if it does happen again, just to re- let you know, folks, you know, ahead of if it does happen again, uh, you will not be hearing from us because we will be in hibernation. So, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I, I, take, I take that back. I want to say on December 10th of last year, of, of last year. Um, we got about 20 inches worth of snow and, and it, it came down fast and furious. In fact, they canceled school a day before for, for the, or for the previous day, because they're like, yeah, we're not going to take any chances with buses and stuff like that. And yeah, the snow didn't come until about four thirty five o'clock though. <laughs> so the kids could have went to school, <laughs> but oh, well, <sighs> anywho, but let's talk Ghostbusters, shall we, sir? Yes. Well, before we begin, you know, I think we should kind of like give a and we did this before when we reviewed the um, um, the uh, 2016 uh, reboot. But I think we owe it to any new listeners here just to give. So to give like a quick rundown of our opinions of the the previous entries, I I think it's we're unanimous in that the first Ghostbusters from 84 is definitely a classic. Yeah, it's a film that holds up very well, you know, despite and I've mentioned it before in previous. But, you know, I mean, if you do break the movie story down you know, not a lot of it quite comes together efficiently, but what has always made that movie work is because of the performances of, of Bill Murray and, and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis and uh, Ernie Hudson and, and, and Sigourney. Yeah. The entire cast. And as well Annie as Potts, Ivan, yeah. Yeah. And Ivan Reitman's energetic direction. And, and the, I know a lot of people criticize it now, but I, I actually do love the practical effects work of that film. I think they, for the time that they've done it, you know, the, it, you know that, that wasn't a cheap movie to make. No, but, no. But I mean, I love when people criticize the effects now, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I find the effects very charming. <laughs> yeah. Charming and, and, and fun. And, you know, and, and the reason why that movie works, too, is because despite its, you know, like it, it, its storyline, it it does balance the humor and horror very well. And there's a, it has like this weird dry, particularly from Bill Murray, his his sensibility that he brings to it, you know, that there's all this crazy shit going on and he just has this very detached view of everything. (laughs) Yeah. And there's so many quotable lines still from that movie that it just resonates like, Oh, so many. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, like it's, it's a movie that, you know, and I know, whenever I mention it, people, you know, are kind of like, yeah, whatever, Chris. But I mean, even Harold Ramis has said that, you know, if you break that movie storyline down, you know, not a lot of it makes a hell of a lot of sense, but, but it's because of the energy that's put into the film that makes it come together a lot. I still enjoy watching it. I actually did watch, watch the first movie again after watching um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, just to sort of get reacquainted with it because it's been a while since I've seen it. Although I had seen it many times where, you know, it's like, when you watch it, it's not quite as fresh in your memory, but you know, all the stuff comes back. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and then you've got part two, which is, I mean, I, um, I flip flat, flip flop back and forth on that one. Yeah. I've been flip flopping back and forth on that one too. I mean, it's sort of like to use the uh, old chestnut, the redheaded stepchild of, uh, uh, of the series. It's not a great sequel, it, but it's, it's serviceable if you're willing to, except the fact that it's basically just sort of rehashing the first movie, you know, Mm. but 
it, it's got some interesting ideas here and there, and, and uh, the it's, as a sequel, it's it's okay. I mean, it, it's interesting, like Tim, how we flip flat, we flip flop, flip flop, yeah, back and forth of it. Because I remember when we talked about it, when we talked about the um, the 2016 right. uh, reboot, we were sort of like, yeah, you know, it doesn't really quite hold up as well or everything. But now it's like, uh, you know, it's got some moments. Yeah, you know, it, it's not terrible, but it's not, it's it, not it's not going to hold a candle to the first movie. So, right. And it, for me, it was always just the statue of Liberty scenes. I'm like, that was just it, that, that I, 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 as a kid, I didn't mind so much. And, and as an adult or, or uh, a few years ago, I was like, I took a real, I'm like, it was just so lame and it is still lame, but I've kind of softened my whole idea on the, on the majority of the motion picture. Cause well, I, I, I do love... like the, I do like the cast all back together. And a lot of it still does work. The chemistry is still there. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, you mentioned Statue of Liberty, um, the plot line. I, I love how, you know, and I do agree with you. It's, it's so ridiculous that yes. they have to use, the Statue of Liberty to break inside the this dome <laughs> of like slime dome of slime and there's a window above where like they can for those of you who haven't seen part two but I'm certain you have yes if you're listening <laughs> to this you have seen it at least once yeah <laughs> you know they use they use this pink slime that as well as this um, what was the song that they used to help bring that statue oh, to life God I should know this <laughs> well, anyway, well okay but I mean yeah. Basically, they're able to bring the Statue of Liberty to life, and they're able yes. to use the Statue of Liberty to – Using a Nintendo joystick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're in order to break into this uh, – the Museum of, of, of Modern Art or whatever yes. the hell. This museum where Vigo the Carpathian is hiding out, and the museum is covered in like pinkish slime, and yes. you know they use basically the, the 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 Statue of Liberty arm where she's holding the torch to break open the <laughs> the, the the ceiling window. She swings it like a hammer. <laughs> which you, which I, I gotta say, that was conveniently easy because you think they would probably just grab a helicopter and like you know maybe drop a couple of weights on that glass. Yes. <laughs> But but they had to have a show stopping, um, uh, you know, uh, a finale. So that that was it. But no, yeah, I mean, like there are parts of it that are interesting that work. Um, I forget the actor that played the um, um, the the foreign art guy that becomes possessed. Oh yes, by... oh he, yeah, yes. He's Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol. Peter, yeah, he had some moments in that movie yeah. too. Uh, he, I, was I, actually, he was kind of sort of a sympathetic character because in one way he wasn't bad, but he becomes slightly possessed by Vigo, and and you do feel sort of like, even though you know he's working for him, you do sort of feel a little, a little sympathy towards him, <laughs> like he's an unwitting victim. Oh. Uh, the song uh, we talked about, Satchel Liver, Higher and Higher. Higher and Higher, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But no, but getting back to Peter McNichol's character in, in, in as the, um, I guess, the, the henchman for Vigo. Yeah, yeah, Janos, I think. Jan, Janos, yes, Janos. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> my favorite line that he says in the entire movie is like, I want you to know everything you're doing is wrong. <laughs> and just walks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet out of and yet that's the irony too. It's like, okay, really? <laughs> well no, my favorite bit was where Peter Vakeman asks him straight up, Giannis, where the hell are you from? And you know he's not from the United States. <laughs> Definitely Eastern European accent. Right, right, right. Says, but what does he say to him? Oh, uh, Chicago or Boston? Yeah, or he says he says the Upper West Side, side. <laughs> but he says it almost like a question. Well, like the but, Upper West Side. But, but, but that's <laughs> like when when Bill asked the ghost from the library in the basement, like, "Where yeah, are you where from, from originally?" Originally, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what he forgot to add. He forgot to say originally. 
<laughs> but okay, so then and now we come to um Ghostbusters twenty sixteen or as it's now known as Ghostbusters, you know, answer the call. Right. Which I you know, if you wanna read if you wanna if you want to listen to our in depth review of that particular well, I, I personally refuse to call it a movie, but um, you know. If you wow. Ask, well, I, it, 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 it's when you listen to it, you'll know why. And I, you know, I, Chris, I may re-release that as part of a THS Bastics, just so people can get reacquainted right there before we drop this episode. Yeah, that that's fine too. But I mean, but um, I was not, I did not like that film very much, and I want to clarify this too because I think. I do agree that at the time the overt fandom backlash towards that movie had something to do with its failing, but I didn't like that movie just because I didn't think it was very well done, even no. for a movie trying to, to you know, as a reboot, it, it just it just failed on on like any level. I mean, yeah. I think there was like only one part that I laughed at, and I and I remember what it was now, where the one character tells the mayor, "You're worse than the mayor from Jaws." And the, <laughs> <laughs> that was the only part I laughed at. <laughs> yeah. Now I I don't recall what I said about it. It's been a couple of years since I revisited Answer oh, the yeah, Call. Oh yeah, 2016. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I can't really speak to I. I remember liking it okay, but I remember that the 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 the, the hatred and the vileness that that surrounded that even before we saw one filmable scene um, or even a trailer, and it was just unfathomable. I think that, yeah, that's why I said it is correct. Yeah, unfathomable. Well, I mean but, that's yeah. But so I mean, like I said, I mean, so I watched it and hearing all this stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't really you know, very good, but it didn't deserve the, 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 the vile hatred for it either. Um, but th- that being said, yeah, it's like, Ghostbusters, you thought Ghostbusters 2 was bad. It's like, here, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> here, comes, mean, like, here comes answer the call. <laughs> I mean, it had possibilities, but I think it's yeah. just that, you know, the problem with it is that, you know, it, it was sort of like what was going on then was that there was the constant talks of doing a sequel. And then all of a sudden it was decided now we're just going to do a reboot. And, right. uh, you know, and of course they changed the sexes, which I didn't have a problem with. Yeah, it. I don't care. But I had a problem with the fact that none of the, none of the female cast members were funny. So yeah. it's, I felt like I was watching an SNL skit that had it like went on too long. <laughs> yeah. Like two hours too long. And, uh, and, uh, and you can even tell that like a cameoing Bill Murray in that movie looked like he was he pretty much just checked out like like whatever they're paying me these days i'll just be there i'll say whatever it is you want me to say just make sure the check clears and uh you know that's but uh, yeah it, it, it as a as a reboot attempt it was it was pretty bad <laughs> yeah i uh, uh, there was a quote uh i watched one of the behind the scenes things uh i believe no no right online it wasn't an interview it was an interview online interview and uh jason reitman uh thanked paul fig for for being he he, he equated it to um a swat team um uh, mission where the first one in the door gets blasted and he's like paul fig took the bullet for all of us and then we just came in and we made it better <laughs> well <laughs> so well, all right we'll, we'll we'll get to that because yeah. <laughs> i do have some interesting opinions about this this new take on it but um 
Wow. Wow, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, so Paul took the bullet for us. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, no, that's kind of no, an offhanded, like, remark. <laughs> words, words to the wise, Jason. Don't don't jump the gun yet. <laughs> yes. But, um, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much a rundown. Uh, but if you want to uh, listen to our opinions of the reboots, uh, yes, check out our, yes. our, our past episode. Uh, yes, and I, and I will, and I, as, as you, as our listeners are aware of, I have been uh, re-releasing some of our old episodes from the vault so i think that would be a nice uh a uh, uh, compliment piece to this this episode here so i'll release that yeah maybe a couple weeks before uh this episode drops which at this point recording we're recording on president's day february 21st 2022 don't know when that's going to be but if you're listening to it it's already released <laughs> <laughs> So Tim, uh, before we begin with the uh, synopsis, yes. do you have a trailer for this yes, movie? Yes, I... yes, Christopher. Let's string uh, string it up and let's roll that trailer, bud. What are you doing here in Somerville, anyway? Honestly, my mom won't say it, but we're completely broke. And the only thing that's left in our name is this creepy old farmhouse our grandfather left us in the middle of nowhere. Why'd you bring me up here? Entertainment value. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Somehow, a town that isn't anywhere near a tectonic plate, that has no fault lines, no fracking, no loud music even, is shaking on a daily basis. Under the dining table now! Hey, remember that one summer we died under a table? I found this in my living room. Whoa, killer replica. A replica of what? A ghost trap? There hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. New York in the 80s, it's like The Walking Dead. Your dad never mentioned this to you? It's just my mom. My grandfather died. My mom says we're just here to pick through the rubble of his life. Wait a minute. Who are you? good man take it away all right so ghostbusters afterlife from 2021 uh directed by jason reitman and written by gil kinnon and jason reitman um ghostbusters afterlife begins at night in the sleepy town of somerville oklahoma 
And we are introduced to none other than Egon Spangler, one of the original members of the now-defunct Ghostbusters, who is fleeing via a rusty-looking truck from an evil spirit-like entity pursuing him. After crashing his truck in a cornfield, Egon quickly rushes back to his dilapidated farmhouse in an attempt to trap the spirit. But his ghost trap setup malfunctions, and Egon is killed by the ghost. Time passes, and we are now introduced to Callie Spangler, played by Carrie Coon, and her two kids, Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace, and Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard. Callie is the daughter of Egon, and she has inherited his dusty dirt farm. But it's a gift that Callie resents, for Egon left Callie and her mom behind when she was just a child and never knew her dad quite well. Once Callie and her kids get an eviction notice from their apartment, the Spanglers head out to Somerville and make a go of their new home. While they're getting settled and Callie tries to make heads or tails out of what their new abode is worth, <laughs> Trevor becomes infatuated with Lucky Domingo, played by Celeste O'Connor, who works at the local diner. And Phoebe becomes friends with a schoolmate by the name of Podcast, played by Logan Kim. <laughs> Trevor and Phoebe also discover some interesting things at Egon's farm. Trevor repairs the engine to the old Ecto-1, and Phoebe begins to discover just who her grandfather was after she finds such items like a ghost trap, the PKE meter, and yes, a proton pack. <laughs> While all this is going on, local science teacher Greg Gruber, Gary Gruberson, played by Paul Rudd, is studying seismic activities occurring in Somerville. They seem to be coming from the old Shandor mines nearby, but according to Gary, they are not ordinary earthquakes. Well, as it turns out, the mines were once owned and operated by none other than Evo Shandor, the dude responsible for creating a secret society that worships the centuries-old Sumerian god by the name of Gozer the Gozerian. It was the Ghostbusters who managed to put an end to Gozer's attempt at bringing about the end of the world back in 84. But the Ghostbusters are no more, and it looks like Gozer is about to make a comeback, 2021 style. So it's up to Phoebe and her friends to send Gozer back to its original dimension before the world falls to hell in a handbasket again. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's um, the uh, the synopsis for Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> uh, now, before I begin, Tim, I would like to hear your quick uh, <laughs> your quick uh take on this movie before we before we get into the nuts and bolts of everything the nuts and bolts it. the uh, the uh, looking under the hood of the ecto one um, yes yes uh, long story short um i really did like the movie a lot i mean i loved it um i remember uh, going out with my uh, uh wife and uh, a couple of friends of ours having a couple of drinks at the bar and then going to see this movie at the Alamo Draft House in uh, in, in Minnesota. Yeah, and, and I'd never been to the Alamo Draft House, so it was an experience. And um, I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I, I I to me it hit all the right marks and feels. Uh, we got to see if you're you know this is spoiler heavy, and if you're listening to the show, the movie's been out for a while. <laughs> Yeah, and, folks, and, and, it by now, and it's on Blu-ray and 4K DVD. So yeah, so you should know about Jesus that. Christ. I'm like, I, we, we, I can't, I can't, I can't heal it back. Anyway, what I what I truly loved about it, and it was at the very end of the film, is we got to finally see all the Ghostbusters reunited. And yeah. honestly, I'm going to say it gave me the chills. And I'm I'm man enough to admit it right here, right now. This is like the third or fourth time I've ever you know shed a tear in a movie theater, and seeing that. Uh, was made one of the top four moments of, of a movie, a cinematic a movie experience, because it's like, oh my god, they did it! They brought him back uh, via, you know, you know CGI and you know yeah. Ivan Reitman standing in for, yeah, obviously for uh, um, Egon. Um, but I'm like, holy shit! I thought I part of me thought 
they were going to do it. And then when they did it, I'm like, that's amazing. And so long story short, I love the movie. I thought it was funny, but also had this like more dramatic overtone other than like the first, I guess, three films. If you want to include Paul Figg's uh, reboot in that, um, I thought it had, it had a, it really kind of bookended the, the Ghostbusters, uh, at least the trilogy, you know, so that's my take on it. So, yeah. uh, anyway, get, let's, uh, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> well, you know, um, and I'm kind of going from memory here, but I remember back when we talked, when we were reviewing the reboot mm-hmm. from 2016 and we were, and I was talking about how, you know, the first movie, the reason, the main reason why the first movie works. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really want to think about it is that it's one of those concepts that, no one thought was gonna like you know hit it off right you know, it, it was basically a lightning in a bottle concept yeah. and much like the original star wars like we yeah yeah about yeah that. and i think i did surmise at the time that it, that if they did decide to do a follow-up or a sequel or you know whatever that it would probably be very difficult to to um to follow up to, to capitalize on because mm-hmm. you know it's like the first movie did it so well and the second movie didn't quite do it as well but you know but that's the thing about sequels and then you know many years had passed since part two came out right so and many many like, lots of false starts and stops with yes, you know scripts and and the the, the sad passing of harold ramus which was mm. sort of the you know i i guess you can say this this the slight nail in the coffin you would you'd probably well you would probably would think that but or at least i would have thought that i'm like you know i don't know what they would have to do to really like make the make make a follow-up to this mm-hmm. so you know once when it was announced this was being Ghostbusters Afterlife was being in production and everything, and that Ivan Reitman, the original director of the first two films, was handing over, basically passing the torch to his son, Jason Reitman. I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I think maybe there's a possibility that something can be done here. And I, you know, like I said, I didn't see it when it played theatrically, and I did my best to sort of like stay away from any kind of reviews being written about this movie and and then eventually you know i i was kind of reading if in, there were some good and there were some not so good reviews so i went into this movie with like you know like keeping the expectations lowered mm-hmm. appropriately and i have to say that after watching this movie i i didn't hate it but i was just very disappointed in it i thought that um I thought that it had a lot of possibilities, but I felt that one of its main detriments is the script. I felt like there was a lot of issues with it that were not finessed. And considering how long this movie took to get made and how long it took to get into production, I was a little surprised. <laughs> and I, I, there were some things about it that I did like. I did like the new setting. I didn't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like another problem with it was that it was so tied into the first movie that it it felt like it couldn't it it couldn't deviate from anything i mean i i guess i'm not explaining it too well but i just i just felt like on the one hand it was trying to do something different but on the other hand it got stuck in that box right where it was and like I, and i think that's a, a a fair kind of a fair assessment um because you you want to give people what the something some familiarity 
and you yeah, also want to get something absolutely. new. But you gotta, it's got, it's it's a tight rope to walk sometimes when you're when you're when you're trying to recapture the magic of the old, but also offer something new. But don't go too far because people won't like it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and and that's the thing too because I remember to go back for a moment too. I remember when you and I were talking about the 2016 reboot mm-hmm. and we were talking about the fan backlash and yeah. uh, you and I were pretty much in agreement that the fan backlash was like completely over the top and ridiculous. Well, yeah, and it was, sure. I mean, like it, it got to a point where like, you know, someone made a comment and, and this comment really stuck out to me. That's how well I remember this. Where like, you know, someone made a comment online, like maybe on Reddit or like, or maybe on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, 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 That's uh, how old we are on the YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. When they, when the trailer dropped on right. YouTube, oh, yeah, had, yeah. like more negative comments and positive ones. Right. But uh, someone said something like, I just witnessed my childhood being raped. Oh. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there kind of going, you know what, man, look, here's the thing. Your childhood is not being raped. Your childhood is your childhood. This is where you are now as an adult. And you yes. know what? It's not like the original film has been taken off the shelves or taken yeah, off the bucket. You can still yeah. you can still go back to it. Hell, you can probably go on Amazon Prime and like stream it. Yes. You know, or you or, can go on or you can go on Tubi or Voodoo and stream it. You know, it's not like Or you can buy the actual physical copy and have it in your library if you don't already have it, which yeah, yeah, probably yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, so on the one hand, I, I understand I, I I feel like the fan backlash is something that's very hard to even for Uber fans to understand. I, I'm I like the first movie. I'm a fan of Ghostbusters, but I have to be honest, as I've gotten older over the years, I have gone from being a fan to just a casual fan because mm-hmm. you know, I, I I like movies, I like certain films. You know, I don't live by the mythical status of Ghostbusters. I like the film, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's like there's only, you know, let me put it this way. I love the film, but I also have to worry about my tax returns, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you got to you got to like, you know, look well, at the things that are important in your when, life. When people say things like that and it doesn't matter what it is, it could be yeah. the point is if this is your biggest thing that you have to worry about in your life if this is the most important count yourself very lucky there are many people who are trying to figure out how they're going to feed their families keep the lights on and medication Mm -hmm. yeah i mean if this if this is this is not raping your child this is i mean i really i really don't like when people try to equate something with something else like that it's it's it's, it's like apples and uh you know anvils i'm like come on really now but now with that said when yeah. it came when they came to making this film, right, I felt that you know I mean Jason Reitman has gone on record saying that he, he you know this is the film that he made to give back to the fans and right. I'm thinking to myself look you know what I get it but the lip service thing kind of gets a little much you know it's like uh, we get it you know you it's it, if there's one thing that can be said about Ghostbusters Afterlife it's definitely made for the fans but I I was hoping that there was probably going to be a little more to what they were going to do. Uh, yeah, a, a little, a, you know, I, I like we were talking about. It, it is a tightrope to walk, right? Because you're trying to do a follow up, and when you do a follow up, you have to figure out well, what what else can we do that with the, with the concept of it, but also try to do something else that's slightly different. Correct. So, I and I think that again, the 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 problem that I have with this movie is that I think there was a lot there that could have been done more, but. I also felt like they were just stuck in this situation where they could not deviate from anything, but you know, it, it's just, I just felt like the script in this one had a lot of problems with it. And it, and, and I, I, and that's the thing though, too, 
the same thing can be said about the first movie, but the first movie is so good you could care less. <laughs> Whereas here, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. There's a there's a problem here. There's a problem there. Why are they? And that's the thing. It's it it, it is an old saying. It's called sticking out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. You know. And now, now I I know you like the movie, and I'm not yeah. trying to. Oh, yeah, no, by the way, fine. I want to go on record with this. If anybody of you out there love the movie, that's fine. I'm not I'm not oh. critical of the audience for this. I just felt for myself as someone out there who. Yes, well, I, as a fan, I felt like this movie didn't quite deliver the goods as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> you're, you're the I, I get what you're saying. Uh, Jason and Ivan Reitman made this as a love letter to the the diehard fans, but and, the diehard, and, and, yeah. and you're more of a casual fan yeah. slash viewer. So yeah, I, 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 I I get it. You're 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 able to try to. I want to pick apart is the wrong word, but kind of like finally go over certain things that maybe others. Well, I guess don't... what I'm trying to say is I see what they were trying to do right. in regards to the concept of fandom and yes, nostalgia. But the problem is, is that as I was telling someone about this before getting on the show, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody about this film and talking about my disappointment. And I said, you know, look, I have nothing against nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But nostalgia should not make up a two-hour movie. <laughs> you know, you have to. Yeah, I think I actually some either it was I that coined this phrase or somebody else did it. So it felt like there should be a new genre of film called nostalgia exploitation, <laughs> where like every film that's oh. being made is mimicking something that we all grew up watching. Oh, I think Chris Kane just invented something patent pending. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, when we get to one plot point, I will, I, I will tease you with this. I will tease you with this, but then when we bring it up, I'll explain okay. it. I have something that I have now dubbed the Jaws 2 syndrome. Trademark Chris Kane. Okay? <laughs> I will explain what that is when we get to it. Okay. There is something that I have now dubbed the Jaws 2 syndrome. <laughs> okay. But anyways, yeah, I, I so that's basically my you know brief take on that okay we'll 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 break down the nuts and bolts of this all right and 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 as i told tim when i (laughs) when i watched after i watched this i said yeah i watched the movie and i've got some notes yeah Yeah, so i'm like so it's funny when you texted me i was in the middle of like uh cooking dinner and i'm like i'm chopping 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 and you know frying and i'm like i'm like chris texted like oh chris texted me because you know i'm like oh okay well uh glad to hear it blah blah blah. i'm like i've got notes i'm like oh shit it's like dot 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 i'm like oh crap I wasn't gonna Where are we going him. with this? I'm not going to give it to you on the phone, but I'm like, I got some notes, Tim. Yeah, that, that, that's the equivalent of like, for, for me, it's like, if you're in a relationship, like, and the girl says, we need to talk. I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, I got to tell you this, though. This is the first time I have ever taken notes like this. I, so oh, this Jesus. Is, so this is a first. Yeah, it's my first time. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about the opening sequence. Yes. I, I gotta say, I did like the setup for this opening sequence. It it, it does pull you into the movie, mm-hmm. um, uh, in which we're introduced to Egon Spengler, who's living out in Sunnyville, Oklahoma. He's pretty much living on this dirt farm. He's yeah. we don't get to see a clear look at his face because obviously it's played by a double. But um, yes. you know, but what we do get indications of is that he's basically just this grizzled dude that's now living out in the fringes of. You know, um, you know, you know, middle of nowhere America. Right. He, he's he's off the grid, but on the grid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's off the grid. He's on the grid, and he's being and he and it opens in this um, farmland location late at night, 
and there's this big giant mountain with this rather ominous looking clouds forming and we see uh egon driving this rust bucket truck and he crashes through a uh, he drives over a bridge and he crashes through a fence i actually thought this one was funny where the entire fence has like signs saying don't enter dangerous <laughs> chemicals do not en-, and he crashes through that thing <laughs> and he's driving like like a bat out of hell and something is chasing him and he crashes in the cornfield and you know and i did i do like this scene i do feel though that if there's one thing the scene didn't need was like the 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 overdramatic music to establish the mood i thought it would have worked a lot better if there was none of it it was just you know the sound and everything but anyways so he ends up back at his dirt farm and he's got like this contraption set up we don't know what it is yet Mm -hmm. because it's basically held back till the end of the movie but He's got this thing set up, and it's, that's going to trap that that that's going to like ward off this this evil spirit chasing him. We don't even know what it is yet. So he's got it set up to this gigantic generator thing, and unfortunately for him, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, he's he's stomping on the the, the pads or the the. Uh, I, I, I get for the lack of a better term, it's it's a pad for the um the ghost trap. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a he's, ghost trap, set he, but but we won't give away what the design plan is. But he does have ghost. <laughs> but he does have a ghost trap. Many, set yes, yes. Yeah, you got many, but doesn't work. So he quickly runs inside the house and decides to sit down with his PKE meter, and then basically, we don't even know exactly how he dies in this movie. It's like the the spirit attacks him. Yeah, um, they they, they, like, they said heart attack, but yeah, it was definitely brought on by uh, yeah being by, attacked by the, the spirit. Or right. the ghost then, dog, or whatever the hell that thing well, was. Well, I mean, it, we find out, we kind of find out what it is later on. But basically, he he he, he and he was all, he also caught something too because he was carrying a ghost trap with him mm-hmm. and he and he hides it in the hiding place in his um in his um, rickety um I guess uh, far, false farmhouse. floor yeah yeah his farmhouse his rickety farmhouse <laughs> all decked out with broken cars and talk, <laughs> talk about trying to keep a low profile <laughs> well if, if you did notice uh, ca- casual observers and diehard fans will notice that a lot of the stuff in there the toaster the, the, the toaster um the toast of toaster oven uh from ghostbusters 2 is in the kitchen mm-hmm. the books are stacked just like they were stacked in the library yeah <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh cool like little nuggets and easter eggs but right, go, go right, on right. yes so and then now the movie begins and we're introduced to um um we're introduced to i'm sorry I'm okay yeah we're introduced to callie mm-hmm. spangler played by carrie coon who's the daughter of of, of egon spangler and she's a cutie uh, pie too <laughs> yeah she is uh and and she's and she is apparently a single mother Mm-hmm. Uh, she has her two kids, Phoebe, played by McKenna Grace, and Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard from <laughs> Stranger Things. Yes. And I have to say, though, I nothing against Finn Wolfhard, personally, but but yeah. I mean, like, th- I was as I was watching this movie, I felt like this movie should have been called Stranger Things, the movie. <laughs> wow, because, oversimplification. Be, because of his presence in this movie alone. I mean, Tim, did you not know Finn Wolfhard is in this movie? I did. Are He's... you sure? Because I did not know Finn Wolfhard was going to be in this. He was also in It, Chapter 1 and 2. Which so also played like Stranger Things, the movie, Part 1 and 2. 
<laughs> I think you just have a hard on for Finn. <laughs> I, I don't, but I was just totally awestruck by the fact that Finn Wolfhard is in this movie. <laughs> so is Paul Rudd. <laughs> I know. Supposedly the world's sexiest man, but I got to tell you, he looked like he was packing a gut in this thing. <laughs> and I don't think that was method acting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So here's one of my notes about this thing about oh, the the galley <laughs> character. Okay. Um. So her character is broke. Uh, what do, what job did she lose exactly? What did she do for a living? Yeah, I don't know. Never... We we never find out what what it is that she specializes in. Is was she an accountant and she had a firm that went up and you know, or something. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of those details missing. I'm not asking, I mean, and by the way, I'm not saying like they should be drawn out in depth. I mean, at least in the first movie, you understood the majority of the main characters actions are based on brief dialogue. You know, you know, Peter Bankman wants to run this company because he wants to make money. Right. Um, the franchise lo- alone, the franchise rights alone will make a m- millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, they don't even, it doesn't even take much to figure out where they get the money from. They basically yeah, get the Ray's money house. from Ray's house, which they have three Every, mortgages. Everybody on. has three mortgages nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah. But at 20%, well, you didn't even try to walk with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I mean, like, you get like those brief answers that tell you everything about it. Right. But here it's like, uh, we don't know why Callie is broke. Yeah. And we don't know why she's not out looking for a job. <laughs> she's actually just busy cutting up Trevor's hair with, um, was she, she using scissors or was she using uh, she, shears? I think she was using, I think she was actually using something to cut your hair with, not like actual, like, you know, paper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so I mean like, so that's, that's one of my notes, but I'm like, I'm like, what, what, what is it about her character? That's like, you know, but anyways, so then we also, discovered that her daughter um phoebe played by mckenna grace is very smart Mm -hmm. and she also acts way too way too much almost like egon spangler and i was (laughs) that's the that's the rub that's the the reason the problem though is like shouldn't carrie coon's character act that way too or they just skip a gene I think it probably skipped a generation. Because yeah, <laughs> why? Why? Why is Finn? Why isn't? Why? Why wasn't Finn the? Uh, I know. Yeah. The, the smart one. He was just kind of like the uh, the gearhead, the guy yeah. that makes that does the cars. And I, I would have no problem with her being smart. Yeah. But it's just her taking Egon's physical attributes. Like she wears glasses like yeah. him. Her hair is all scraggly, weird. Mm-hmm. She dresses rather. Tomboyish. Tom, well, I don't know tomboyish. Well, she wore, like, she, yeah, I mean, I guess it's... I, I swear to God, it looked like she was close to wearing a jumpsuit for most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about the Ghostbusters right. jumpsuit. But I was, like, sitting there going, I think that's another problem. Is like, I wanted her to be, like, more of a... We also don't find out who Callie's mother is and or, or, or yeah, even her yeah. father. Well, you know? yeah, and that's the problem. Well, okay, yeah. I mean, her, I mean, her father is Egon, but, I mean, like, her husband. You know, it's just it's just... Given yeah, that it's... but I mean, but I, what I'm saying though is like I just felt like that was a, a key ingredient missing is like some, even if it was like a brief throwaway line where she said I worked for um, you know, a company with a Fortune 500 yeah. deal, and then or... that went bellied up, and then I couldn't get a job anywhere else, and it's like okay, I, I would accept that, I would accept that 100. Like okay, great yeah. explanation, I have yeah. no complaints. She's a former hedge fund, hedge fund manager or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or she tried to manufacture the Ghostbusters product, and then once we went out of business, it was like, nope, sorry, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> but anyways, um, 
So of course they they are now being evicted from their home, mm-hmm. and um, they and of course it, it, perfect timing because she had inherited her father's dirt farm, so that's right. where they're going to go. Yeah, she wants to sell off all the stuff and then you know uh, just move on with her life. <laughs> right, right, right. So so they get there, and of course you know it turns out it's much more of a nightmare to them than they realized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, we, in walks Janine. <laughs> yeah, in walks Janine, played by Annie Potts, who gets like a, a cameo sequence. And, yeah. um, you know, I would have thought that they would have tried to establish a little more of their relationship because she's yeah. just she's just there to say, yeah, I took care of his personal finances, which he yeah. didn't have any money. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, if you I, another thing really think about, it, I really I, well, not that now that I think about it, I, I wanted Annie Potts' character. I wanted Janine to do more. I mean, at this point, I know. Did you watch? I'm sorry. Did you watch the entire movie though? Did you watch like the the credits, the, the post credit scenes and stuff? Oh like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. So that. I, I think she'll be have more of a presence in part two. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I just I just felt like there could have been more because I, I I I like like if they're going for the whole warmth angle, they yeah. could have just like had her like maybe try to explain what he was doing or at least and i she probably didn't know either but right. like give an idea of what he well, was sort of doing the, out the there thing, and the, maybe... thing, the thing out of all the people in the town she should have known because yeah she, she should have known something be, because least... she was with him the, the most she I, I wouldn't say she followed him but you get the distinct feeling that she followed him to uh summersville after New yeah York. yeah and maybe help him with something but yeah probably, quite... yeah yeah keep the lights on because that's what she's saying that he didn't have any yeah. money he barely could keep the lights on <laughs> i mean the only thing that she tells him though is that the house the, the only value that the house has is sentimental value and even then it's like okay maybe that's not really worth anything <laughs> yes but i i wish there was more because she just comes and goes and i'm like all right you know i i get the callbacks but yeah. You know, a little more with the character would be great. So, and that's out. That was one of the things that was in my notes. Did you also know, Tim, that Finn Wolfhard is in this? <laughs> no shit, Chris. Really? Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things fame? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure this isn't called Stranger Things, the movie? <laughs> oh, Christopher Katie. Okay. <laughs> Guys, right now, start taking a shot. Every time Chris says Finn Wolfhard, <laughs> you'll be drunk in five minutes. <laughs> So, Chris, right. did you know Finn Wolfhard's in this movie? <laughs> I, I, I did. I was totally surprised. I, 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 I mean, can you believe it? The Finn Wolfhard? <laughs> the Finn Wolfhard. I mean, unbelievable. Why do they not call this Stranger Things a movie? I don't understand. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> All right, so let me just start up here. Oh, so, and um, so anyways, the, uh, the, so. As we the story progresses, right? Um, you know they're looking around the house and everything. At one point, um, Trevor ends up out by the garage, and he he's using a flashlight, and he kind of stumbles across the Ecto one that's in the garage, but the the flashlight goes out. So instead of replacing the batteries, he just waits till the next day to discover, it. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was odd. <laughs> but but the other thing is that you know Phoebe, of course, begins to also walk around the house and mm-hmm. check it out and she finds the the pke meter underneath um egon's chair mm-hmm. um that he dropped when he was killed uh and she's trying to figure that thing out and then eventually she does find the hidden ghost trap but uh so and then of course while all that's going on carrie coon's character is trying to assess 
something about the house. Yeah. <laughs> we, actually, you know what? Her character kind of like comes and goes in this movie like no tomorrow. Like at one point she's like downstairs asleep at the table. She's got like a glass of wine sitting next to her. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have to assume she's looking at bills or she's just like trying to make sense of what he owes to what the, they the, owe. that, that, that ratio. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or whatever. And then of course, eventually oh oh and there's a moment before when they arrived at the house that they go to a diner in this small town mm-hmm. and trevor becomes infatuated with um luck um, uh what was her name uh lucky oh god uh lucky domingo played by yeah. celeste o'connor yeah and of course you know he wants to work there at this diner mm-hmm. and... he lies about his age <laughs> <laughs> yeah lies about his age <laughs> the things we do for love <laughs> yes yes of course and uh, he, so he's working at this diner. And then, of course, oh, by the way, I love how the the, uh, the other workers give him such shit. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, he's the new guy. He's yeah, the new guy in town. Yeah. New yeah. guy in town, and the new guy at the job. So. Right. And then um, there's a moment where Phoebe befriends this little kid named Podcast, played by um, uh, Logan Kim. I have to say, I thought Podcast was just the most annoying character oh really god I, I liked him a lot i thought he was hilarious you never even find out what his real name is that's the problem <laughs> it's like uh, my name is pocket why is it because i record a podcast that's like yeah. well okay we understand that but like you know you know real names please but anyways <laughs> i mean but i mean he had some interesting moments like i did thought it was funny when he was like interviewing everybody right. like he started like doing a live interview set but then after a while it was kind of like okay you know we get it he likes recording a show he likes talking about conspiracy theories i'm surprised he's not doing anything with q and on but you know <laughs> again missed opportunities but Jesus. you know in terms of the scripting but but you know, after a while i was like okay look we get it he's into podcasting and everything and but it's like you know, don't don't make his character devoid of a personality. You know, it's like oh, well, we, he, he he's he, he's got the personality of you could I could definitely get a, a Ray vibes off of him. They he was they want to make him yeah, the a Ray. bit of that. You could probably get a little bit of that off of him. But I'm just saying, like, I felt like I was watching Short Round from one of the Indiana <laughs> Jones, except maybe a little less charming. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm not saying he was bad in this part yeah. of this movie. It's just yeah. I felt like. <laughs> It's like once when he introduced himself as podcast, I actually wrote. <laughs> I, I know Tim, you're going to hate this, but I I probably I actually, will, but continue. <laughs> I wrote this is my notes. Does podcast have an in all capital lettering here? A real fucking name? I hate him already. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I don't care. But I I thought but I thought I thought he did his part well. I thought I, I, I enjoyed his character. I didn't I really didn't find anybody super annoying or anything at all. But it's just funny that you <laughs> you mentioned that. I didn't even I didn't even give it a second thought. I'm like, okay, that's his nickname. That's what he wants to be called, so that's what he's gonna be called. But we never find out what his real like and then that's another missed opportunity. We've been great at the end of the movie. Like, you know, like, like someone goes, Pont- kid, what's your real name? Jerry. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. Like, and then maybe one of them goes, you know what? Stick with podcast. That sounds a lot more, you know, like at least right. like have fun but, with that. But, but you, you know? gotta, but we have to mention that, um, that uh, Phoebe and podcast meet at summer school for science, yes. in, in science class. And I love the fact that, <laughs> 
that they meet and Paul Rudd is a science teacher and he doesn't just, he just, he gives two fucks about oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. science. Class. I, I so, will say that was one part that I did chuckle at. Right? So, so basically Gary Gruberson <laughs> played by you're, Paul You're dating Rudd. someone named Gary Gruberson. <laughs> yeah. Played by Paul Rudd, who I gotta be honest, he plays this with about as much enthusiasm as he played his first role in Halloween oh, 6. Oh God, <laughs> Paul Rudd could do no wrong. Shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> but he, uh, he, he, he's a science teacher and yes. he decides to show them the video of Cujo instead. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, we f- I found this thing in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like, it's got a killer rabbit, do- rabbit dog in it. Trust Enjoy. Me. Enjoy. And he doesn't care. Yeah. But, he, just, he gives no fucks. <laughs> but what he does care about is his, his seismo, seismo- seismologist uh, tests because right. as the, um, we find out that the town is experiencing unnatural uh, earth tremors or earthquakes. Right. And according to Gruberson, they're not real earthquakes because they don't follow the pattern of the right. seismograph line in terms of. And, and of course, Phoebe uh, is interested in this because she's all into science and everything. Right. It's like, and, you know, okay. And, and they have a great rapport right off the bat. They're, uh, in my opinion, they, <laughs> they, they, they make uh, 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 geometry jokes and um, they just kind of, they found they're the same. They're the, they're the same almost. It's like they get each other, and there there's a point where she says like I never thought of you as a as a science teacher. You seem more like a football coach. <laughs> right, right, right. And it would have been funny if he said something like, "Well, I am a football coach. Yeah. I just got stuck doing this class." <laughs> yeah. do it. You yeah. know, like you know, give right. an answer like that. I mean, right. But and in the meantime, you know, we're treated to um, Trevor. Played by Finn Wolfhard, is, uh, <laughs> the Finn Wolfhard. The Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, he finds Ecto One again, and he f- begins to fix it up. Now I gotta. This is one of my notes. Gotta read it. Go on. <laughs> How does he fix the engine? Has he been practicing mechanics for a year or so? I just think he's, you know, they're a mechanically inclined family. She's more scientific. He's that. I mean. You know, he's a gearhead. He's got he's got nothing else to do, so he might as well tinker with a car, right? Well, he wants to he wants to to bone the local chick, but right. he somehow has time to like figure out how to fix the ecto. <laughs> but he fixed it up like almost flawlessly. I'm not talking about the the chassis and everything. Right. I'm talking about just the basic engine. Right, right. I mean, but I'm like sitting there going, you know, it would have been much more of established if he was like you saw him tinkering with like maybe like a piece of rotary mechanic for like a fucking uh, house fan or something, you know, and they're like, right. okay, fine. I would believe that. But it's like, once he picks up that uh, socket wrench, yeah. he, he's, he's like halfway there. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, you know, just, I, I get that there, I, I actually understand what you're saying. Because of the Egon Spangler connection, mm-hmm. that you could say that the gene hasn't been skipped in his character in terms of his mechanic, right. understanding mechanics. But I gotta be honest. I mean, that whole idea of them being instant Albert Einsteins doesn't well, no. quite well, doesn't the, quite. Reach. She's she, she's definitely not instant Albert. She was you know it wasn't that like a, a light clicked on one day. We were, she's introduced that way. She's she's trying to you know, fucking rewire the, uh, the apartment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But that's I'm her, saying, that's her establishing shot right there. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm, what I'm saying though, For, is that like in the case of the Finn Wolfhard's character, well, he's the Finn Wolfhard. That guy knows that he yes. knows how to do everything. <laughs> I know because he's in stranger things and you know, and he was also an id and he was in, 
He knows how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> no, all joking aside, I really do like Finn Wolfhard. I'm just having fun <laughs> with you, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you something too. I have no problem with him. I just love mentioning the fact that he's in this movie. <laughs> and I got, but I gotta say though, I mean, he really is kind of sort of the most useless character in this movie because he doesn't really like, well, like, he, with the exception of him sort of being like the mechanic. Yeah. But that's the only thing he does in this. Well, there's one thing he does at the near end of the movie, but right. But and, and, but it well, just feels like he's just there. Well, and there's it, one moment. Then is there one moment in this movie where he does say something where I was like, "Wait a minute, you knew this, but you didn't tell Phoebe about this before." But we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. I, I know, it, anyway. Yeah. In my opinion, when it, when it comes to that, like he didn't really have too much to do. I'm like, he was also there was. It's also more this. I this film was definitely more centered on. Phoebe and her outcastness and her, her relationship with podcast, which is fine. And, I would have, I would have, and he's a teenager, so he's off doing his own thing. He's working. He's doing, you know. I mean, it's kind of like he's there. He's a big brother. Well, he's gonna... which is fine, but I would have accepted her as just like, her, like I would have accepted just Phoebe, except because yeah. it seems like Trevor is just there to like to serve as the romantic interest for the uh, lucky, the, the, the lucky character, as opposed right. to just like doing anything specifically contributive. Cause it, cause if you think about it, there's like two different plot lines going on. Mm-hmm. There's Phoebe trying to um, discover who her grandfather is. And then there's Trevor, who's basically stuck in this weird um, coming of age story, right. which I got to say for a Ghostbusters movie, I never thought any of those were coming of age movies. I feel like I'm trapped in an emblem, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Indie movie. For the first forty minutes, that's what it feels like. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in an indie movie, and I'm like, I don't think indie movies and Ghostbusters and and Steven Spielberg emblem like go together. It feels more like peanut butter and my chocolate, chocolate and my peanut butter. <laughs> Get your chocolate I'm, out of my peanut butter. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, totally, right. it's very unusual. Yeah. Now, I, if, if you enjoyed it, that's fine. I'm just yeah. Saying, I I, yeah, I, I didn't honestly. I had no issues either way so it's all good <laughs> so now there's a moment in this movie where um um uh, phoebe finds the ghost trap that egon hid right running in the woods yeah and so, and, so she finds it and she brings and it to she, uh, gary <laughs> well no first she brings it to show um podcast and okay gary sees it and gary's in all of it yeah he's like he, he's fanboying out right now he's like i know cool people, replica <laughs> i know and they're like replica of what, what? And, he goes, and, and he goes what you don't know what this is they're like, no and he goes this is a ghost trap and they're like what's a ghost trap because you never heard of the ghostbusters they're like no now I understand what they were trying to do with this mm-hmm. but it just felt like a big script issue because it's like now you got to think about it in 1984, in the first movie, mm-hmm. these four schlubs saved Manhattan from and being pretty much the world <laughs> and the world from being destroyed by a giant marshmallow man. And that <laughs> would totally be in the history books. As ridiculous as that sounds, I mean, the concept of it is like it's like a bad joke, but it's like okay, but you know. And and, and by the way, there were newscasters there catching all that. Right. So it's like so, but the fact that these kids. Are like sitting here like they've never been to a history class, going, "What the hell is a Ghostbuster?" And I and I and, and the reason because of this, this is where I have dubbed this the case of the Jaws two syndrome trademark. 
Chris Kane. <laughs> so okay. for those of you out there, Tim, I'm certain you want to know what is the Jaws. Yes, but please enlighten me. <laughs> enlighten well, us all. Well, as, as, as you remember, Tim, when we did our Jaws retrospective many, many, many eons ago. Yes. It was our first retrospective, actually. Our oh, first, yes. It was our yeah. first franchise episode, too. So Yes, yes. So in part two, there's a moment where Sheriff Brody discovers that there's another shark on the loose. And he goes in the to, water? Yes, in the water. <laughs> and he goes to Mayor Vaughn and tells no, him. No, on a roller coaster, asshole. <laughs> go, go, go on. Go on. I'm sorry. So anyways, he, he goes to Mayor Vaughn and informs Mayor Vaughn, you know, the man who wore that silly ass Well, suit, yes. The anchor suit, yes. To tell him, hey, we have another shark problem. And Mayor Vaughn goes, what are you talking about? (laughs) What do you mean? What shark problem? And it's almost like everybody from the town, including the mayor, had forgotten that there was a shark attack in the first movie. (laughs) That is why I dubbed this the Jaws 2 syndrome. Everybody in this movie has forgotten that there was such a thing as ghosts and ghostbusters and the end of the world and the giant state of marshmallow man. (laughs) It's like 800 foot. (laughs) I know. And then it's like, wait, are you serious? Like, and I, and I get what they were trying to do because the concept of they, they, of how many years have passed and like, you know, things are quickly forgotten. Yeah. Gotten. But at the same time, it feels like such a script issue. It's like, yeah. even when he shows them the, the video on YouTube mm-hmm. of, of the newscast of the guys showing up there and, you know, and they, they save the world and, you know, and then they're looking at him like, what are you talking about? When did this ever happen? <laughs> well, yeah. And you could have gone with another way with that too. You could to have people out there cons- being conspiracy theorists saying, Oh, that never happened. Much like Walter Peck in the first one. Like it's a yeah, laser light show. It's not real. It's... Too, but they didn't do that. I think yeah. it would have been funny if he just pulled out the, the Ghostbusters VHS and said, okay, we're getting the history lesson here, folks, because they made a movie about these guys too. Did you forget about that kids? <laughs> <laughs> no, instead they're watching uh Child's play and uh, Cujo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it says this about a killer doll. You're going to love it. <laughs> so Paul Rudd decides, hey, maybe there's something inside this. Why don't we just open this up? I love – okay, that to me was hilarious. <laughs> you know what? It was funny, but I, 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 I do question how a podcast knows how to start up a bus. <laughs> Well, it's not rocket science. It's just put the key in, right? It's not rocket science, but it looks like there's a little more to it than just turning the ignition. I mean, they, they do hook it up to car batteries. Right, right. So but, you have to floor it, too, so, to get the power. So what, what I love about that is he's like, he's like so he, met, he, he, does, he, he equates like, uh, he goes, you know what, science? Science is rock and roll. Science is, you know, you know unabridged. Like, it's it's pure. It's it's. It's amazing stuff, right? He's just he's going on giving this whole big speech, yeah. and then they 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 shatter all the the windshields. Everything is destroyed. And he's like, "You're the adult, yes, and I'm an accomplice." <laughs> well, but then, but uh, real quick before we get to what okay. they unleash, which is very interesting, right? Uh, you mentioned the part where you're talking about science is punk rock and everything. Right. And this whole thing is science. Right. But to be fair about this, though, it's not really about science. It's about the supernatural. Right. Because if well, you think about it, it's about the supernatural. But Egon created all these things scientifically to catch the ghosts right if you think about it they never explain in the first movie like they, they never sit back and come up with like logical scientific explanations no you know that's ghosts, just that... ghosts exists and we can create things out of science to catch these ghosts but right. they never explain and, and to be honest 
I'm happy that they don't because it's, of, it'd be too dumb and boring for them. Oh for yeah. The well, not part. only that, but it would just be too like illogically stupid because it would be like, okay, so how did you create this proton pack? Well, I took the uh, rotor and created a, uh, out of the, uh, it's like, okay, no, you, the man's smart enough to create it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. We don't need to know what, what goes into having a ghost containment unit. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. We just know it was in there. All I mean, you, you could see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's true. Your honor. This man has no dick. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, but so they, they start up the, 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 the bus and they utilize the uh, jumper cables to start up the ghost trap and it unleashes the, uh, one of the terror dogs and then it yeah. goes all the way over to the Shandor mines, mm-hmm. which we forgot to mention earlier on podcast and um, uh, Phoebe go to the Shandor mines and it was apparently shut down back in 1945. Right. Which, which you would think like, and they, and, and apparently there's like this weird ancient runic wall that somehow magically appeared after the mines were shut down in right. 45. People, and people were killing themselves and, you know, um, yeah, there, there was a, a, a lot of, um, weird shit going on so they closed the mines and they said it was some sort of like chemical thing and so what is pocket he puts the jacket he goes you know what i do put the jacket over my face and walk in yeah yeah <laughs> I, I thought but, that was hilarious <laughs> like, but you know what i think i think it would again another missed opportunity this town even though they kind of sort of hint at it but they don't really do anything with it it would have been interesting if like this town was like ever since the chandler mines closed down that this town was somehow cursed with something like it, in a way it is Mm-hmm. But you don't feel like it's cursed. You feel like it's just some sleepy town that right. no one gives a shit about. Mm-hmm. You know, like I felt like there was an opportunity for H.P. Lovecraft type <laughs> stuff to go on here. You know, like you know, like 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 weirder shit than just weird earth tremors. You know, right, right. <laughs> like maybe the crops keep dying and there's like insects eating them. Well, that's like, why he's, everybody's a dirt farmer because nothing will grow. <laughs> Well, you know, dirt farmers are dime a dozen there. Too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, so um, now also uh, Phoebe discovers an underground lair that's that her grandfather created. And apparently Egon's spirit is guiding her because mm-hmm. there's like a moment where she has a chess table set up and like it keeps moving the pieces around. They're, they're, she's playing chess with her grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Which or... you would think right then and there that would like establish the concept that ghosts do exists but of course she continuously refuses to believe it well, even though she i think at this point she's still trying she's she's processing and she's still she's going by her belief system and then what's happening in real life so she's trying to surmise in her mind what's going what's actually happening in front of her eyes so Possibly, she's she, yeah. she's she's coming around to the fact that yes um there's something more there but, and, and it's interesting too that you know she finds Egon's secret lair and she finds the proton pack and mm-hmm. you know and Egon's ghost is like helping her along. Yeah. Which, oh, by the way, I also like how I also noticed again. Here's one of my notes: Why is there an MRI scan X-ray of the human brain <laughs> in, in, over on the wall? Because there's a moment where I saw that and I'm like, so what's Egon dis- studying? Is he studying the effects of human brains or is he studying the effects of ghosts on the uh, human brain? <laughs> Honestly, he's he's studying everything. I mean, if, if you remember, he had um, that thing that podcast wears that that metal like like almost like, like cauldron that uh, Louis Tully wore that to yeah, yeah, brainwaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so okay. I mean, it's, so it's I guess possible. So, so that's one I will take off my notes. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, yes, <laughs> but I, I love how, despite the fact that Phoebe is smart, mm-hmm. 
the fact that she needs that, that that Egon helps her along the way to repair the pack, too, I was a little like, well, shouldn't she? Because she kind of did figure it out on her own. Right. <laughs> that, he, he, oh, you're missing a capacitor part. Yeah. And she replaces it, even though. Right. But <laughs> so, can, I mean, yeah. But, but then also, I love how both she and podcast like decide to test it out. Yeah. And. You know, like they have, but I also love how, you know, if you remember whenever those guys wore those packs, they mm-hmm. were so heavy. Yeah. But she manages to put it on and not complain about the weight. But you could tell she was struggling. Oh, it's heavy. She was struggling a little bit. Yeah. I expected yeah. to say, yeah. man, these things well, are heavy. How the hell do these guys wear these? <laughs> this, this, this is a big callback. And it's something everybody should know because when the Ghostbusters in the original film are originally called out to their first call to the, 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 the posh hotel and they're in the elevator and they're like, switch me on. She says that the podcast, switch me on. I, like, yeah. I thought, oh, that's awesome. I was like, each, of, each one of us got an unlicensed nuclear reactor on our backs. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but I also love in part two where when they were in the courthouse and they finally had to put those packs on that Bill Murray complained about the weight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh, they're just so hard on my back. <laughs> Do, Ray, Egon. <laughs> so they, 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 okay. So they, this part I'm kind of sort of torn with. Okay. They after they turn the pack on and they fire the 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 ray out and destroy the 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 glass bottles that they set up because they they obviously thought it was going to be some sort of like regular gun type thing, yeah. but it turns Instead out like a blasting blast. beam. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly, out of nowhere, they hear a strange sound coming from the abandoned factory right next door to them. Mm-hmm. Choppers. What, what do you think it could be, Tim? <laughs> Chompers, the the uh, the poor stand-in for uh, Slimer, the new Slimer. <laughs> yeah. I, now I gotta be honest. This movie is all about callbacks and nostalgia and bringing back, you know, mm-hmm. things from the first movie. How did Slimer get sidelined? Ah, interesting thing. You should bring that up uh, because I was actually having a debate with my son and daughter about this every week out of the movie theater. So my son's like, you know, it was, it was a really good movie, Dad, but I why isn't Slimer in there? I missed him. Like, well. He's a New York ghost, so I'm assuming that, you know, he'll be in the next one. <laughs> so it's all, it's all you know, uh, geographic. <laughs> so that, well, because, I got to say, for kids, that's probably the best explanation ever. But for us, it's very confusing. <laughs> because I was, like, sitting there going, oh, you know, I guess I'm okay with, like, bringing in new ghosts and everything. Yeah. But I was like, but I'm like, well, if you're going to bring things back from the first movie, why not just why not bring back his character? In fact, another missed opportunity it would have been very interesting if Slimer was brought back and it turns out that his presence was sort of like, you know, like a, like a sign of okay. some sort to that of what was going to happen. Because if you think about it in the first movie, you know, the first ghost that they catch is Slimer and, and yeah. in a certain way. It's sort of like that's even though they don't say anything, it's sort of like a sign that, okay, well maybe something's going to be happening soon. Something's going to, something it's going to get real big now. And of course their ghost business flourishes after that. Mm -hmm. So, so it would have been interesting if like they assembled upon Egon's notes and it said something like once when they caught Slimer, that was when everything just, you know, you know, the the, the floodgates opened up. (laughs) Well, now being a, a big I I'm a fan. I'm a super fan, but I'm not yeah. one of those guys that you know knows everything about everything. And when it, when it comes to like the different cartoons, but I do have a couple of volumes of the cartoon on yeah, DVD. Yeah. And uh, and you know it would have been cool to have like Slimer as like their kind of unofficial mascot because that's how it was in the show. So yeah. it would be kind of cool to have. And who knows what will happen in the future 
uh, with the series. Maybe they'll have Slimer kind of floating around the ghost or the firehouse. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. It'll be interesting. But yeah, it's. Uh, oh. So in the meantime, while they're going after this ghost, which they have quickly named Muncher. Muncher, and, Trump, and, yeah, Trump, yeah, Muncher, yeah, Muncher. because it likes to eat metal. Yes. If you notice, it's eating metal like crazy in this. Yes in this uh, factory, this abandoned factory. And of course they have surmised that, okay, we can use this proton pack to catch those ghosts and which that's what they try to do. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Finn Wolfhard has finally souped up his, uh, the Echo Finn Wolfhard, the, the <laughs> Finn Wolfhard from stranger things folks. Hey, did you know Finn Wolfhard is in this thing? Oh. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> oh, Tim, they're already half in the bag at this point. <laughs> So anyway, they are they are our people. <laughs> right, right, right. So Finn is finally taking Ecto One out for a joyride in the cornfields, and he <laughs> he, he comes across a podcast and um, um, uh, um, Phoebe, yeah. and they're like they're 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 already like how'd you get this started up? Which by the way, that's how we're asked. That's the question we're asking. <laughs> you have a car? Yeah, I have a car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't even have a license because it turns out he failed his driver's license test. Well, that and he's. Uh... He has his application. He's 15, not 16 or 17. <laughs> so they decide to take a joyride in the Ecto-1 so they can go ahead and catch yes. this ghost. And it's great. Now, now here's another thing that I mentioned. Um, let's see if it's here. Okay. So, uh, wait. So Finn Wolfhard's character knew about the Manhattan ghost stories, but apparently never mentioned any of it to Phoebe at all before this? Because <laughs> they're talking about it. And it was like, oh, because Phoebe says... You know, remember, do you know anything about these guys? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, the Manhattan ghost stories. Yeah, I heard about those. And it's like, so never talked about it to her when you were living together? <laughs> and okay, say, I'll, 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 I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Like, or like maybe mention something. Because I think at one point he, he sort of knew about the whole thing about Egon. Right. And, and, and it's and, like, okay, but you never would have told him about this? Well, I th- <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that. There... I know he's a dipshit brother, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been something like where the mother would, would was so just pissed off that she didn't even care about it. She, she just kind of squashed anything. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your Possibly. grandfather was, I, you know. I, yeah, it could have been that. Yeah, I don't, oh, I, I, you know, it's he, he abandoned his family. I don't care what his reasons were, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, and I, but, I don't know. But and at the meantime, um, um, Carrie Coon and uh, Paul Rudder are enjoying a nice dinner together. <laughs> Which you would think would give him time to like really explain their characters. Right. I mean, we do find out that yes, uh, Carrie Coon, uh, her character, it, it was divorced, yes. but that's about it. And, and, find... and, her, and, and her and her ex husband's a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, we don't find out what she did for a living, mm. what job she's looking for. Mm. We don't find out. Well, we know that Paul Rudd loves living in this town, but yeah. we don't find out like anything else about him. Well, he's a science teacher, and you know he goes into town, and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> that's about it, and kind of a meaningless scene. So, anyways, we'll go back to the action. So, <laughs> well, that scene is all set up the next scene where it's like I just want Phoebe to fit in. I just want Phoebe to uh, have experiences, and you know, not be stuck in a book. Basically, her her nose stuck in a book. Well, she and... gets to have an experience. There is right, the but that... one. Exactly, but that's happening simultaneously while this is conversations is happening because she yeah, doesn't I do just, anything. Yeah, it's 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 all right. I mean, yeah. I, it's not, I don't hate the scene. Right, it just right. Doesn't really, like go anywhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, my my one of my favorite scenes is in the where they get where they bring podcast after after the. I'm, sorry, I'm just going to backtrack for one second. Where uh, after the the uh, they release the the devil hound from the the um, the trap with the bus things exploding. 
Gary Goober, Gary, Gary Gubertson, or was it, was it Gary Gooberson. What? Gooberson. <laughs> takes, takes the kids back to the farmhouse <laughs> and he meets, uh, uh, the mother yeah. uh, for the first time. And, uh, podcast picks up like this whistle. <laughs> That's oh, a, the ghost a, whistle. The ghost, yeah, ghost whistle. Yeah. She's like, you can have that. Please don't ever blow that anymore. <laughs> and then, then Finn and, and, um, and Phoebe are talking or not Finn, um, Finn Wolfhard. No podcast. And, and Phoebe are talking. He's like, dude, I think, I think Mr. Gruberson wants to bone your mom. <laughs> and she's and like, he's like, he's like, you're not bothered by this. Yeah, he's like, like, no. I, and, and and much like Egon says, I don't show my emotions outward, but inside I'm puking. <laughs> but <laughs> typical, <laughs> typical kids talk, right? But so, continuing on at, at the restaurant, yes. Oh no, no, no. There's not much else to say about the yeah. restaurant. But anyways, um, so they're chasing this ghost throughout the town, and, um. Here, I'm, I'm, here are my notes. Here are my notes. Okay. okay. So enjoy. Uh, Muncher is running rampant in the town, but there is no one walking around screaming in terror at this thing. Talk about becoming a literal <laughs> ghost town. <laughs> I make jokes. I crack myself up. <laughs> but I mean, but I, mean I, I was actually like, I know it's a sleepy town, mm-hmm. but I mean, is it really that underpopulated? I mean, like, and not only that, but this ghost is running around. There's like one moment where the ghost is like, Eating, trying to eat a fire extinguisher, a fire hydrant. Yes. Oh yeah, and, you, and a fire hydrant. And you'd think you'd see some people be like, "Oh my god, what the hell is that?" And then like, you know, and then of course, they're chasing Muncher around, trying to shoot at it and catch right. it. And there's like a couple of cars driving by, but not a single one of them like puts on the brakes and like, you know, like does a flip or something and going, "Oh my god, what is that thing?" It's just a, because then I also say, and oh, and then there's like one moment where we do see one or two people walking, right. but whenever they get shot at by the beam, you know, they just they sort of like just duck away, like oh, like like minorly inconvenienced by this. Well, whole thing. it was lunchtime. Everybody was at the diner. Because <laughs> then I wrote down here. Okay, so now there are some people walking around while the mayhem is occurring. <laughs> it just felt like like, like there were some things missing. Yeah. I I can only take a wild guess and say that this was being shot during COVID. Well, no, the, actually, this started. They started filming in the summer of 2019 ah. because they wanted to. They wanted to have it. Well, I had this in my notes. Hold on, let me bring it up. Uh, ba, 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 ba. hold on. I am. This is a great podcasting right here. Just waiting for me to look at my, my notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, filming was reported uh, to start in the summer of 2019, and uh, on February 12, 2019, a start date of May 13th, uh, 2019 was reported. So they started uh, right around uh, May June of uh, 2019 because they were going to have it out for the summer of 2020, which okay. was then pushed back and delayed twice because of COVID. Okay. So. All right. So, so that kind of does explain some of it, some yeah. of it, Yeah. but I mean, I just felt like, I mean, I know, like I said, this is a sleepy town and everything, but I just felt like, you know, there should have been like some people about going, Oh my God. And like, and like, there's like one moment where like you, they, they, they have the police radio scanner in, right. in Ecto one where you hear someone saying, uh, sir, we got like some weird report of this thing going around, <laughs> but it's like, where, you know, like, where are the police? We haven't seen the police anywhere yet. <laughs> like not even the sheriff. Yeah. Like, there should have at least been an establishing shot of the sheriff, like walking to his office, like someone telling him, uh, sir, we have a little bit of a strange 
uh, call. You know, yes. we've been getting some weird calls of this thing going around eating metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. but I mean, so, but anyways, so they're chasing the ghost and eventually they do catch it mm-hmm. because there's a ghost trap in there that's like designed out of a, um, out of a, um, what remote do you call that? Remote control car almost? Remote control car, yeah. Where like they can like unleash the bottom part of the car and like yeah. have it go underneath it and they radio control operate it to catch the ghost. So they catch the ghost and then they end up at the Shandor Mines. Now we forgot to mention there was a scene where Trevor and uh, Lucky, Lucky and, were, a, and a bunch of people from work. Yeah, that basically decided to go up to this gigantic mountain and ass around basically. And drink beer, just hang out. Yeah, yeah, and it turns out that there's a moment where, like, you know, the ground rumbles, and you hear something, you hear, like, one of the this weird ghostly creatures say the word Zool, so that's another callback to the first movie. Mm-hmm. And, but later, when, after they catch a sl- uh, catch a Muncher, they end up at this, at the mines, and then all of a sudden, Finn Wolfhard explains, exclaims, I was here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we know you were here. Why are you telling us that? Chris, Chris, it's the Finn Wolfhard. I know it's the Finn Wolfhard, but, you know, I would have said something. If I was writing this, I would have said, okay, maybe you should have one character say, what do you mean you were here? I was here with Lucky, and uh, mm-hmm. we heard this weird thing up mm-hmm. in the mountain. It says Zool. It says Zool. Because but... he, do, he does mention yeah, he does, like you he say, mentions he does, it, but he mentions it later. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is like a perfect opportunity to make Because when he says, I was, then it cuts to like night and it's like you see the ecto-1 driving and then a police car comes up and mm-hmm. arrests the kids and and we're introduced to without question the most useless law enforcement oh, ever God. played by, <laughs> by bokeem woodbine <laughs> yeah which i was like okay maybe something's gonna happen with this character because as it turns out he's sheriff domingo he's lucky domingo's father Yes. So maybe some conflict of yes. some sorts. You're going out with a boy. <laughs> yeah, or like you're going out with this boy causing all these problems. Causing me By a ruckus. Way, <laughs> you know, and then it's because now this is actually before we continue onward. Mm-hmm. Tim and I talked about this before we started the show because we were, you know, we were just talking a bit about this. I said, you know, the thing that's missing in this movie that. I kind of agree with some other reviewers out there is that it's missing a human bad guy element to sort of offset the supernatural tones. Because if you go back to the first, kind of like an obstacle, but an obstacle in the way it needed a human obstacle because it's like, I mean, I get it. They were trying to reduce that, but it really needed that because like, you know, who was the bad guy? Who, who was the human obstacle in part in, in Ghostbusters 84? William Peck. Oh, okay. And then who was the human obstacle in part two? One of the lawyers, I think, right? Yeah, it was the the mayor's, like... Henchman or crony, yeah. Weasley legal guy, you know? He's the one that gets the Ghostbusters locked up in the insane asylum at one point. So, you know, so, I mean, like, you have have that human conflict, you Mm -hmm. know? That the movie needed was, like, some human conflict. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe Sheriff Domingo would be the human conflict. You know, he's the... He doesn't know what these people are up to. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in ghosts, obviously. He doesn't he, even know what this is. He likes his town quiet and sleepy the way it is. He doesn't yep. need any ruckuses uh-huh. going on. <laughs> well, I got news for you folks in case you haven't seen this movie. This is the first and last time you see Sheriff Domingo in this movie. <laughs> well, and he's brought, he's, he, it seems like he was only there for like a day before yeah. like shooting. Well, um, I mean, it, it's almost like, okay, he's supposed to be Lucky Domingo's father. He's supposed to have some involvement here. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like he's just. 
It's like he worked for a day or at least a half an hour. <laughs> well, his point was he was, arre- he was the rest of the kids. And so Phoebe can make her phone call to Ray. <laughs> okay. So I gotta, who are you going to call? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to explain that too. So there's a moment before all this where Phoebe goes on YouTube and looks up uh, the Ghostbusters commercial, you know, mm-hmm. and from the first movie where, you know, there the three of the guys are there and they say, like, they, they each say things like, are you hearing weird noises in the middle of the night? Or are you experiencing yes. a supernatural entity or a ghost? And we're ready to know, believe you. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, for whatever reason, she writes this phone number down. Mm-hmm. Now, you would think that in the YouTube comments, someone would, go, would, would have written on there, you know, she would look at them and someone <laughs> would go, wow, I remember that commercial. I tried calling that number. Man, those guys are out of business. Good luck, you know, or something <laughs> like that. But no, she decides to call that phone number, uh-huh. which, by the way, has been rerouted to Raise a, Raise a Cult Bookstore. Mm-hmm. Which was established in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, for a movie that wants to pretend that Ghostbusters Part 2 never existed, we do get Raise a Cult Bookstore? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it, they, I, Jason Reitman did say Ghostbusters 2 was canon and they would revisit it. But I know, but still. <laughs> yeah. I, but I mean, even even worse... When Phoebe asks about the Ghostbusters, he he tells him he tells her straight up it's been turned into a Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> but but when we get to the post credit the end credit sequence, it turns out no, it wasn't. So it's like well, what? it could have been, and they didn't. <laughs> or they were just or Ray was just turned into a pathological liar and decided to lie to this little girl about what happened to the location. But yeah. anyway, so she calls up the number. Somehow that number has been rerouted to Ray's Occult Bookshop. I don't know how that would have happened, but oh well. Uh, and Ray's on the phone, and he picks it up, and at first he doesn't want to talk to her. You guys can, you know, can go to hell, basically, is what he told her. Well, no, no. At first she's like, you know, hey, is this the ghost? And he goes, I'm hanging up now. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm calling about Egon Spangler. And then, of course, it turns out Ray is very bitter, mm-hmm. and he says Egon can go to hell. Until he, he finds out, it, until he finds out it's his granddaughter, and he well, passed no, away. at first he no, no, at first he doesn't. She tells him that he passed away, mm-hmm. and then suddenly Ray has a change of heart, mm-hmm. which happens in like less than a second. Well, <laughs> you're, you've been friends for thirty years, and if the guy died, I'm like, what, what, and you're talking to his, you know, granddaughter. I'm like, <laughs> well, but no, but first he puts the granddaughter yet. He just knows it's just okay. some girl asking about. It. But so Ray explains what happened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, ever since they saved the world, things were great, and then all of a sudden, boom business went downhill yeah there's theories on that like they did their job too well you know they were going from 10 calls a week to one call a week yeah and then then apparently somehow egon decided was just went nutty yeah and for some reason i mean like took off with everything yeah he took off of everything he took everything yeah and 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 they're all pissed about that or at least ray is pissed about that and and then he explains you know and i love how he explains this too like what happened to the other guys he goes ah Peter's teaching in academia, and uh, Winston owns his own business now. He's uh, uh, done quite well for himself, yeah. and then and then that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then once when she tells him that she's, you know, um, Egon's uh, granddaughter, mm-hmm. suddenly Bokeem uh, Bokeem Bo- Bo- uh, uh, Woodbine hangs up the phone and mm-hmm. says, "Okay, your time is up," <laughs> yeah. and Ray loses the call, yes. and then eventually Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd show up to. Take the girl out of take the girl and her friends out of prison. Mm-hmm. A jail. It's not prison. Uh, jail. Uh, uh, jail. Jail. Sorry. Jail. Jail. Prison. It's it's bars. <laughs> You're being held. You know? You're so, right. So you know, and and, and so basically, uh, the sheriff Domingo says they're going to confiscate the equipment. 
Mm-hmm. So now, of course, um, um, Phoebe tries to figure out, you know, why Carrie Coon's mother character tried to hide everything about Egon Spangler from mm-hmm. him, and you know, she just didn't want to have anything to do with the with her dad because her dad abandoned her. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So now we come to, and I gotta say, talk about a movie that takes a while to set itself up. It's like forty minutes in, and then finally, crazy shit begins to really happen. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a long setup. I mean, it didn't quite happen that long in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, so now we get a scene where, um, um, uh, Paul Rudd goes to a uh, Walmart. <laughs> after the, after it, his date, okay. So it should be mentioned that uh, uh, Carrie uh, Carrie Coon, uh, what's her name? Uh, Egon's daughter's name. Uh, uh, Callie, Callie. Callie. Callie and and Paul. I mean, Callie and Paul. Paul. Callie and Gary. Uh, he drops her off at home, and they're going to set up. But he goes. She thinks it's that it's a disaster. He had the time of his life. Apparently, oh, yeah. He says to her, "We, your kids got arrested. We, we bailed them out of jail. We had sushi. It was fun. So, yeah, he's in, he's at the super Walmart. By the way, ice cream. I know it's taking place late at night, but that Walmart, without question, had to be the most underpopulated Walmart ever to see. And and ever clean, clean, a clean. And I was like, where's the Where's the staff? Like at one point we do see one of them walking around in the background, but I'm like, where's the staff? Well, okay. So speaking <laughs> for someone who's been at Walmart <laughs> on a couple occasions at like one o'clock in the morning, it is pretty much a ghost town in there. <laughs> but I mean, I, you would think that, you know, like you would at least see like one, like, cause I do have a, what did I write here? I do have, I did have a very interesting, um, um, actually, no, the one other thing I want to bring up so before we get to that, okay. I want to go back to the race dance thing for a moment. Okay. Uh, I do have a very interesting note that I wrote in regards to him not believing what Egon was telling him okay. before he left. Okay. Here's what I wrote. Why would Ray not believe in anything Egon told him? These guys saved the world in two movies, no less. <laughs> and, and, pre- and, and pretty much a lot of other uh, ghost busting we didn't see happening yeah <laughs> that's a major plot issue why would he not want to believe him it's well, like it must have been something super duper crazy for him to think that even for ray in his mind excuse me yeah but it's um, it's bringing back gozer there's no way that that would be crazy <laughs> there's yeah, but, no way there's but no, I, I mean we don't we don't know what exactly he's did if we met he if he mentioned gozer uh, we do know we we do as a as an audience know yeah he was talking about gozer but we have but ray never mentioned gozer again um really yeah i i just felt like that was kind of like like just odd like it, it it really is a plot issue because like i said if you're if you're with an associate that's like and you guys are into ghost ghost catching ghosts and you actually believe it then this thing that whatever egon was telling him when he was going crazy you know allegedly right you know they thought he was going crazy they wouldn't i don't think anybody would have put it out of the realm of possibility that maybe he was telling the truth you know it's like like like, (laughs) i'm just saying it just seems like a stretch even for this yeah it's 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 a little bit of an issue because I'm like, uh, there's no way that I don't think Ray would not believe this. 
Well, we're and, digging a little too deep. When it, and we, 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 we tend to do this, too. We dig it when we, I remember talking about The Prowler and all the issues with the different movies. Like, well, yeah, why would you he know do what? that? Okay, uh, The Prowler is like, you know, understandable. <laughs> what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying is that we, 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 you could do that. We could literally, you know, we, we do that to every other movie. But yeah, so I, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I just feel like for a movie that's trying to be part three, which essentially this is what yeah. it is, you know, it, it, it's not tying up the loose ends very well. It, yeah. That's what I meant when I said the script really needed another overhaul. Like I would have, if I would have read that, I would go, yeah. hey guys, I'm sorry, but um, race, to, I mean, let me put it this way. I, I was watching... Uh, a couple months previous, I, I, I was watching this uh, interview with a production designer by the name of William Stout, who did production work on Return of the Living Dead. And he was talking about how the original makeup artist on that film wasn't quite bringing it. And he used a quote to, from uh, Norman Rockwell when, when Norman Rockwell was asked about how, you know, how he created a painting. Um, uh, William Stout said, you have to get into the painting in order to create that world. Mm. And I feel that that statement applies to this movie script writers because it's like you need to really step into that world in order to create this. So if I was reading this, if I was reading the script and that came up where it said Ray doesn't believe him, I would totally be stepping in that world and saying, well, hey, guys, wait a minute, you know. There's got to be it's got to be something really um, yeah, it's uh, gotta be something out really there. Yeah, it's got to be something really concrete. I mean, you're basically changing the concept where now Ray doesn't making it sound like he doesn't believe anything involving the supernatural when these guys were witnessing all this stuff in the previous movies. So that's what I mean when I say I feel like the script writers didn't quite step into that world very effectively to okay. read that. That's why I mean, and that's why I feel it's a plot issue. So it's like, and it really sticks out. At least to me, it does. It's like, I mean, it. it I guess. For in terms of the dramatics, it mm -hmm. it, it kind of helps to do it this way. But as I said before, you know, Ghostbusters isn't really all about warmth <laughs> and, <laughs> and about you know familial uh, connections. It's about a bunch of dudes catching ghosts and becoming the most unlikely individuals to save the world. <laughs> right, know? right. So it's so I mean that that's what I mean. But anyways, um, that out of the way. So um, yes, I as I. I mentioned Paul Rudd enters a very underpopulated Walmart, but he hears, <laughs> but he hears only one female scream in the background, and he doesn't react much to it. Ooh. Now there's a payoff to that, but right. we'll get to it. But in the meantime, um, as he's walking around getting some ice cream, there's a moment where we see these bags of Stay Puff marshmallows. <laughs> Tim, oh yes, I... you want to explain what happens, Tim? Because I, I think well... you should. He, he's looking for ice cream. He's looking for something to go with the ice cream. He walks down the aisle and he starts hearing. He's like, things are popping. Things are, you know, whatever. And he looks down and he sees these little marshmallows, these little Stay puff marshmallows walking around and basically doing a bunch of Three Stooges acts, you know, just kind of like first they're um, – it's just cutesy, cutesy stuff. And then all of a sudden it starts getting really morbid. Like they start lighting each other on fire with I trying know, to make some mores. I, I, <laughs> I actually wrote a comment about it. I said the scene of the marshmallow men roasting themselves alive <laughs> should be in a Peter Jackson gore horror comedy. Right. It's well, really, and I also wrote, it's really out of place tonally. It really feels like yeah. for a movie that, that switching uh, from being a indie drama with uh, shades of... Uh, of uh, warmth 
all of a sudden this weird violent scene comes up. But <laughs> I, 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 I laughed out loud because he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then well, I, the, the and blender I, scene is hilarious, where they got the the little guys in the blender. He thinks it's like a he's doing some sort of skydiving routine, and then. <laughs> and I also wrote down two things. I wrote down. Why do the miniature Stay Puft Marshmallows come to life exactly? Is this supposed to be a sign of Gozer coming to town? And why do they act like gingerbread men in Krampus? <laughs> and, and I also wrote, there is a Walmart worker walking around in the distance. He should notice this weird shit happening, too. <laughs> well, who knows? But then he walks down a little bit, and then there's a big dog yes, eating the puppy dog. chow. It's I thought that was hilarious. The terror dog, yeah. It's a terror dog from the first movie. Right. And I also wrote, the terror dog is on a rampage in Walmart, but there are no Walmart workers around to notice this mayhem. Details, 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 please. <laughs> Sounds about right for a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is funny. I did yeah, like, but yeah. I was like, like it needed like at least members there going, oh my God, what the hell is this thing doing? Right? <laughs> All right, who brought the dog? <laughs> I know, because in the first movie, it's like there are people that witness it. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like it's just Lewis Tully that yes. just happens to stumble upon it. It, it was a bear. I mean, it, 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 yeah. Like at one point, he runs out, half all his. his party members witness this right even the doorman says like you know he gets knocked over by this thing and then right. when peter venkman shows up the cop says ah the doorman says a bear someone brought a cougar to this party or it's like so i mean like there are witnesses you know but no it's yeah. just paul rudd by right. himself right reacting to the terror dog so and then the he one gets trapped in his car <laughs> yeah I laughed at that because once when the terror dog jumped in the car. Much like Cujo. <laughs> yes, but also it deflates the tire. Yeah. <laughs> that reaction like, oh, no. <laughs> oh. So, so, so after that, um, basically, Phoebe, Trevor, and Lucky get together. And they both realize that something's not going. Some, 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 there's something about this town that's not right. right. You know, the unnatural earthquakes. So they need to figure, you know... Um, um, Trevor talking about how he heard the name Zool coming from underneath the mine shaft. So, of course, what do they decide to do, Tim? Well, they decide to break out Ecto One out of the uh, out of the police uh, storage. Oh no, the... not yet. Oh. yet. No, no, no. Before they do that, though. Before they they oh. they, they go to go, confront their mom. They, yeah, no, no. They go to the mine shaft to check it out first. Before, <laughs> but before before they take any action. Okay. So. They go in the mine and they find these ancient ruins, you know, all this stuff. With and then the, they also the, find the body of Evo Shandor locked up in a glass coffin. Mm-hmm. I made a note about this, too, because actually this was something that I thought was um, an interesting idea that I don't think anybody caught up on. I wrote down Evo Shandor died in 1945, which would be sometime after, sometime around or after World War II. In the first movie, Shandor stated by Egon Spangler, felt that society was too sick to survive after World War One. Mm. So that's a nice touch. I actually kind of like that. Like, so he died in 45, which would be somewhere before or after World War Two. Right. So if Shandor thought after World War One society was too sick to, to survive, then it took World War Two to, 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 to really <laughs> to, put him over the top. <laughs> yeah, to really put him over the top. So I actually thought that was a nice detail that I'm sure nobody else caught on to. But also, 
Now there's a moment where they discover this big pit, and it's I think it's is it supposed to be like all the souls, the ghostly souls? Uh, yeah, I want to say uh, of the town, the, the people that are throwing themselves into the pit because it's what they were doing, the, the old mine workers. So yeah, there's probably some spirits down there. <laughs> yeah, but they but they find out what's causing the earthquakes. It's because Egon set up a um, a bunch of uh, proton packs to shoot the beams in there to keep to, the go to keep the ghosts at bay like a prison <laughs> like a prison and of course that's the reason for the earth tremors that yes. are going on and so he, and, they and if you call back sorry if you call back to where was it paul rudd couldn't get his the gary's couldn't gary gary's character couldn't get his things to triangulate that's probably why it was throwing you off his you know yes. triangulation but go on right yes. right right so of course Egon set that all up to keep you know everything at bay, mm-hmm. you know so that way it doesn't bring Gozer back. But of course it's starting to malfunction. So of course action needs to be taken post haste. Yes. And uh, <laughs> and uh, of course at the same time Carrie Coon d- also discovers Egon's secret lab, which mm-hmm. you think she would have discovered that before, but I guess later. Yeah. Better late than never, as we said. So um, the, the house and, is big. There's a lot of shit she had to go through. <laughs> I know, but I, I, but, but I, what I find interesting is that so Carrie Coon's character goes down and discovers the lab, and she also discovers that uh, Egon had pictures of her, you know, like as a kid and everything, watching so he her was, growing up. You wa- know. Yeah, watching her growing up from afar. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that Phoebe didn't notice those pictures either. <laughs> But well, Carrie Coon does. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, Phoebe, why would Phoebe care? <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, maybe it just—I don't know. Yeah, that was a. But of course, it turns out not all is well. She gets attacked by the terror dog and possessed. Yes. So now it's the concept of the gate master and the, the key master and the, the, key master and the gatekeeper <laughs> from from the first movie so now so now we're in so now we're in rehash of of, of the first movie and and, and so, I, honestly i didn't mind because they they do bring it up that it needs to possess two souls and they need to consummate well, that you they, know they, they bring it up but I'm, I'm like how did the kids figure that out so quickly do they really figure it out that fast? Well, she was looking through. Wasn't Phoebe looking through Tobin's Spirit Guide and a few other no, books? No, it was just a book. I thought Tobin's Spirit Guide was a magazine. Okay. Anyway, they were doing some research, but I love that the mom sitting there in a the chair, like Dana, was like, "There is no mom, only Zool." <laughs> yes. So basically, Paul Rudd and Carrie and I wrote this note. I wrote, man, when Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon are possessed, the terror dogs actually have more personality than the human characters do. And who would have, and who would have thought the terror dogs were romantic? That silly flower in (laughs) Paul Rudd's ear. (laughs) But I also you have pretty eyes. (laughs) I know. I I, that. I mean, I did chuckle at that, but I was like, that's a little odd that they're trying to do. (laughs) But you know what, though, this is another missed opportunity. And I know when I mentioned this. I'm certain everybody is going to go, oh, I don't know, Chris. But I actually thought it would have been interesting. I wrote, it would have been better if it was Finn Wolfhard and the girl he had a crush on that got possessed. It would have given those characters something to do. I mean, really. I mean, like considering the love romance between them. That that's a possibility, but they need someone to drive the car, and they need to be they need to put the, the Ghostbusters crew back together <laughs> or the new crew. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, now that so now that the containment unit that Egon had set up in the in the mine shaft right is not working, um, now all of a sudden you know the the, the mountain explodes and unleashes all these ghosts, and uh, the town is now under siege of ghosts. And uh, where's the sheriff? 
<laughs> Missing. He's he's on a fishing trip, Chris. I was gonna say he's on a fishing trip. He's on a fishing. Trip. That's a callback to our Prowler episode. Because uh, truth be told, I just listened to that our, our that episode not too long ago, and I was laughing at us, just making fun of it. <laughs> or parts. I mean, it wasn't of, a bad movie. Well, no, no, but making yes. No, the sheriff it left. Had, the sh- it just had problems. <laughs> the, the sheriff left. The mayor left. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff is going on. And where's the important people in this right, town? Right, right. But, but, but continuing on with our with this. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, so now ghosts are running rampant in this town, and um, and of course the uh, Gozer is now back. Gozer has come back into the world, uh, played by an uncredited Olivia Munn. Which I I was so shocked that 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 she was it t- took a role like that. I mean, because you normally. You, and normally there it would be it would be credited it'd be it should be I wouldn't say top billing but well, she'd be I a part more, of it. I was more shocked that J.K. Simons took the role of Evo Shandor because <laughs> when he comes back to life, he only has one line and he's yeah. killed by Gozer. You know, I'm, which <laughs> I'm wondering was this? I think was this distributed by yeah, distributed by Sony Pictures. So you know, I bet he had some sort of like deal with Sony Pictures where he had up here in like so many Sony movies because he was just he just finished up um, Spider Man Far From or No Way Home. Yeah. So I'm assuming that maybe something like, ah, I'll do this for, you know, for, fulfill know, but, my obligation. But again, it's another script issue because I'm like, okay, so he comes back to life. He goes to Gozer, says, okay, now we're going to rule the world. And then, of course, she kills him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, but I'm like, I'm like thinking to myself, well, okay, maybe if he was no use to her anymore, that would make sense. But I just felt like it was needed of more i guess more exposition not a lot but a little more because okay. i just felt like what was the point of killing him then it's what would the point of bringing him back to life be it just wouldn't it, to prove that character... she could or that, that it could <laughs> yeah it could we know that but still i'm like uh you know either not have evo shandor in a glass coffin or bring him back but have him do something before he's dead you know i mean it, <laughs> you know i mean like it, it just felt like one of those it just came and went like 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 it was a big build-up to nothing that's true because we knew that something was going to happen with that but it's like okay but so anyways so now as you mentioned um phoebe trevor and podcast and um lucky are now have to go get the ecto one and the proton packs out but um they got to get it through the jail oh and it turns out that um uh, Phoebe can pick locks, but she can't pick this lock in the jail cell. <laughs> so what do they? So they decide to. Actually, this was kind of a neat idea. I did like this part. So they decide to, you know, unleash the trap that's in there right. that contains Muncher, and he'll like munch his way out of the metal bars so they right. can get. Exactly, it's podcasting outside the box. <laughs> yes, finally, podcast does something very interesting. So, so they, so they, they drive over to the mountain, and you know, Gozer is just sitting back. Yes. That's the thing, though, too. You'd think she would be like Gozer would be planning the world domination moment right now, but <laughs> just lying back she, she, on this she, giant stairway. She, you know, it, it's quite the hike out of hell. You know, to get on top of this mountain. It's, it's maybe she's taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> but she's got the the the, the, the devil dogs, go- the, the devil dogs. dogs there. And what does Phoebe decide to do in order to get uh, the attention of Gozer? Tell a joke. <laughs> Tell these. Lousy jokes. I, you know what? Honestly, I love her stupid jokes. I love it. Was, it. it was funny, but it was just like... What, what do you call a fish with no eyes? 
<laughs> and of course, the only thing Gozer can say because it turns out evil gods from alternate dimensions have no sense of humor. <laughs> so it says, "How do you want to die? <laughs> Are you prepared to die?" <laughs> I'm twelve, so no. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime. Um, podcast and Trevor take the ghost trap, the 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 movable one, and yeah. oh, and, and, and unleash it. That way, it can suck the devil dog inside, but like leave their mom back to normal. Right. So they take her, and she's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" <laughs> well, mom, you were a dog. <laughs> I know, and I actually wrote. I was actually kind of being funny about this. It really wasn't a big plot point, but I'm like, wow, Carrie Coon is way behind the info curve at the near end when she's rescued by her kids. Because <laughs> she kind of is. Yeah, she is. Well, yeah, she rescued mom. And they're going <laughs> to and they're gonna re- rescue Gubertson soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're going to save the world. It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> so they, they abscond their way back to, um, to the farmhouse because they have figured out that what? Egon set up a trap using a bunch of ghost traps buried in the dirt. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be used to catch Gozer and the, the terror dogs, because I guess he needs a lot of ghost traps to catch a god or something. I'd, not, I'd assume so. More than one. Yeah, I would assume <laughs> so. They don't quite figure that out, but fine, whatever, good enough. Uh, so, so of course, the big the big main battle occurs at the, at the, the farmhouse. Mm-hmm and things are not going very well at one point at one point i thought this was kind of like too silly even for this movie the ghost trap that they caught the terror dog in that was possessing um a carrie coon's character yeah. ends up getting out and it possesses um lucky domingo's character correct and I'm like, why? It didn't really help. It didn't help the movie. <laughs> Just because they can. <laughs> Just because they can, yeah. So, you know, it, we're down to the wire. You know, it seems like this is very hopeless. And then... Who are you going to call? Well, or as I wrote, ah, yes, here comes the Deusac Machina. It, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's an old Greek term to describe Greek plays in which... Whenever the storyline gets like stuck in a plot point, the gods would come down and fix everything. So in this case, you know, Phoebe and and her mom and and Trevor mm-hmm. are close. To, they're they're pretty much like toast at this point. Right. And then all of a sudden, who shows up out of nowhere? Tim. The OGs, the original yep. Ghostbusters. The original Ghostbusters. How they got those proton packs? When Egon took them all away, we never know. How Ray Stance found out where they lived in Oklahoma, we never know. But yeah. they show up. Yeah. And he traced the call. He traced the call. <laughs> I, I hope his police search was good. <laughs> Plus, he's living all the way out in New York, and they got to travel all the way to Oklahoma to take care. I wonder how far the drive was or the flight. <laughs> but anyways, and, you know... It was nice seeing the team, mm-hmm. Ernie Hudson, Bill Murray, Danny Aykroyd together. But I felt like they were doing more like comedy shtick than they were doing, <laughs> like the way how they were talking. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my, my favorite thing is where, where, where Gozer asks Ray if he's a god. He's like, oh, God, Ray, we talked about this. If someone asks I... you a god, you say yes. We're all gods. <laughs> but I, but I, I thought it was like 
It's totally silly when Ray explained as a resident of, and he kept like naming <laughs> yes. all of them. Well, that's a callback to the original, you know. I know, I know, but I was just like, uh, <laughs> and then he, she says, are you a god? And he's like, no, no. And, like, and they go, Ray, we did this before. It's like, yes, yeah. of course you did this before. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Well, but and then of course you know Bill Murray you know for a movie that doesn't want to reference part two I did say um, uh, Bill Murray is sure acting like he did when he tried to get at Vigo the Carpathian in part two remember <laughs> when he shocked and he's like why did you, would you pick New York why yeah. did you go to sunny California yeah. like <laughs> but here he's like talking about you know goes it was just you know the relationship was just no good right like, yeah. you know it's like it's <laughs> I love that though. It was hilarious. Like, baby, what happened? <laughs> you know? You know, I also have to say too, age is a bitch. And Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd look like it looked like they had one too many drinks and they woke up and But Ernie looks ripped as shit though. <laughs> I know, yeah. I and I even wrote down here, I wrote only Ernie Hudson looks like he really wants to be there. <laughs> He's like the only one that, who seems but, very active. But you know, you don't, you don't see it. But the, I saw uh, they were doing some promotion for for the show, for the the movie, and he's out there in a t shirt. His his he is, he is he is fucking jacked in the arms. I'm like the guy is taking tremendous care of himself. Well, he's got to because this is I no offense to him. I like him. But yeah. I think this is perhaps the one film that he's going to be coasting his whole life on. So <laughs> well, it's a franchise, baby. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I mean, good for him if he's able to you know keep himself in shape. But man, Bill looks like he has just been. Yeah, I don't know if he was on a bender or if you know maybe well, maybe maybe he's looked he at was... like that for a few years or so. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like he looked like he had just like like I'm willing to bet maybe Dan Aykroyd gave him one too many crystal head vodkas as <laughs> <for his laughs> gifts. You know, he said to himself, right. "Okay, Bill, I can't give you these anymore. Yeah. Please take care of yourself." Dan looks all right, you know. Yeah, I mean, Dan, he's... Dan, yeah. He's he's gained a little bit of poundage, but you know. But that's that's to be t given when you're 65, 70 years old. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but but their I, but their energy level, I was a little, I was a little disappointed with. Well, they, when they when they tossed them, when when Gozer tossed them over the cars, and they're like, "Jesus, I don't remember these proton packs being this heavy." <laughs> I know they're the still, and, and by the way, they're the only ones that still comment on them being heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Ernie Hudson even does a semi, you know, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, kind of like a, a, yeah, yeah, Danny, um, what's it from uh, Lethal Weapon, Danny Glover thing. Oh, the one part I did chuckle at was when Ernie, while, while Bill Murray is like making his statements mm -hmm. while Gozer's coming towards them. Ernie tries to shoot him, and of course she shoots a lightning bolt at him, and and he goes, ah, man, and and and, and Bill says, ah. You tried. <laughs> you tried. Bill, you did. It's like, you tried, man. But anyways, um, I don't know. I, I It was nice seeing them here, mm -hmm. but I just felt like when they appeared out of nowhere, it was like, granted, it was supposed to be the surprise moment, mm -hmm. but I just felt like, like, like I was doing a double take, like, wait, what? Oh, okay, they are going to be here. Okay, good. But still, it's it's yeah. like, again, I was like, well, Ray said that Egon took all their equipment. So where did they get the proton packs from? Did they just have a storage facility hidden somewhere? <laughs> it's, well, he had a lot of time. He could have built some more. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but I thought Egon was the one that was had the smarts to build those. I don't know. I would say Ray was as equally 
smart when it comes to certain things. I, I think Ray and Egon. I think Ray was more of the mechanic. I mean, he did fix Ecto One. Yes, in he did. the first movie, so he was the mechanics guy. But you know, but I, but I mean, like even Egon was working on the proton pack when they were having their last of the petty cash. Yes. <laughs> meal. So I mean, and, and and Ray was just sitting there chugging yeah. a Budweiser. Yeah. This magnificent <laughs> meal is the last of the petty cash. <laughs> we have no more money. <laughs> Chew your food. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically the ghost traps they have set up are not working and it's because the generator device that Egon built is apparently still faulty. So <laughs> so now this is where Finn Wolfhard actually does something of dramatic substance. And what is that, Tim? He he uh he he gets into the car and he uh uh starts uh, blasting Gozer. Well, yeah, no, no, but what does he do? Because remember, they're trying to work the power oh, device. Oh, yeah, he he tries to get to, he tries to, uh, to to generate it with with I think with the proton pack, right? Right, right, right. And suddenly, once he starts firing, giving enough the, juice, to trying to get a double A battery, yeah, you know? <laughs> it starts, starts generating, and the traps open up, and then little Phoebe is trying to hold off mm-hmm. Gozer, but then she gets assistance from a very. Um, I would say a uh, very, very close source, Tim. Yes. Would you like to explain who that is? Egon Spirit has now uh, materialized and is helping Phoebe guide the uh, blaster or the, 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 the wand stick or whatever it is for the, for the proton pack. And side by side, we get the OGs all back together, all four band members. Although I, I will say this, I did wish because they had, the guys had a great, they all had like this weird, like, what the hell reaction and right. Bill Murray had the nonchalant reaction. And I was hoping for him to say something like, Hey man, you, you gained a lot of weight. <laughs> did, you, did you grow a beard? <laughs> yeah. But... Come on, man. What's up with you? You know I mean? I needed that moment, but, right. but, but I will say this. I didn't have a problem. I know I read a few reviews where some people felt like they had a problem with the, uh, you know, resurrecting the spirit of Harold Ramis and CGI form in this movie. I got to be honest, I didn't really have a problem with it. I thought but... it looked really, I mean, I've seen some CGI stuff uh, uh, prior to this, and I thought it was yeah. very good. Um, I Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it, but I didn't feel like it was that needed, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think like... if you're going to pay homage to the man, and even the 2016 paid homage to Harold Ramis, they had a, a, a bust of him in like the museum. Yeah. Or the, yeah, or the, or the, or the lecture hall. Um, so I, you know, I, I loved it, and I love the fact that to me, um, uh, when Winston said, I miss you, my friend, and I thought that was like, wow. Like, it was... Uh, although the one part I did notice was when Ray said that he was sorry for not believing him. I actually wrote on the I, I wrote as a note. I wrote, "No, Ray, you should not be sorry for not believing Egon. That mm-hmm. apology should come from the screenwriters." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also wrote, "Man, Egon looks very grizzled for a ghost and all." because he does i mean i know they're trying to make it look like he had aged and you know obviously he was living on his dirt farm right so he grew a beard and he had he had gained some poundages here right i I was like wow he looks like he's he really got grizzled right right (laughs) so basically at the end uh oh of course the guys have figured out like in this movie the best way to Vanquish this spirit is to cross them streams. Mm-hmm. And pretty <laughs> course, much blow does, shit up. <laughs> of course, it doesn't really destroy the house or anything. It no. just 
it just causes Gozer to implode and then caught in the ghost traps, and that's the end of the movie. Oh, and of course, the devil dogs turn to 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 charred amber, yeah. and then Finn Wolfhard knows instinctively that you have to break open the terror dogs to let Paul Rudd out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How did he know that? Because he's the Finn Wolfhard. Jesus Christ, Chris. I thought we talked about this. <laughs> I know. I know. So this is Stranger Things, the movie. All right. All right. I, but I thought that, you know, so Finn Wolfhard watched the first movie to figure that out. <laughs> oh. And then, of course, Finn Wolf. Uh, I'm sorry. Paul Rudd is like all excited. Like, oh, my God, what happened? I, did I miss it? Then, no, no. <laughs> you were well, just a dog. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, and then you, I, did, I did sort of like. Well, Murray's line, but I think it sort, of, it, it sort of summed up my viewing of the movie, where he said, "All right, we're gonna go. Is everybody all right?" He goes, "Yeah." They go, "Yeah." He goes, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go and have some cocoa." You want some cocoa? Yeah, like, <laughs> I think we did some cocoa. <laughs> I know. And then he goes, preferably with some rum in it. <laughs> <laughs> that sums up my feeling about this movie, uh, folks. Uh, but, but and then of course it turns out Ray Stance is a fan of um, the podcast. Uh, podcast show and, and he's, he you're, you're my subscriber <laughs> and, he, and he repeats the jokes that they said because podcast said it really catches its own voice in episode 46 yeah <laughs> and, and that's what ray says he goes man your show really caught its own voice in episode 46 man yeah you're my subscriber i, <laughs> I, I love that line I, I truthfully feel our voice caught on when we did uh jaws <laughs> Don't you think, Tim? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Episode <laughs> four, yeah. <laughs> oh God. And but... then I, I, I actually made a. This isn't a serious joke. This isn't a serious line. It was just something I observed. I said, "What did Winston ever give a shit about Ecto One?" Well, apparently he does now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, what did they do to you, baby? Well, you know, there was a lot of time between the the, the second movie and this one, so maybe he uh, a new appreciation for one. We don't know. There's right, a lot. Right. There's a lot of. There's about thirty years between there's movies. A, there's a lot of loose ends. <laughs> Even thirty years worth of loose ends. Wow, has it been that long since eighty nine? Oh, Nine, yeah. shit, man. So you know, I'm I'm assuming they they busted time, a few more guns. I'm sorry. Time, time, yeah, time does fly really quickly. Yes. Uh, so, so the movie ends. They save the world again, um, again, from the same threat again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a, a little, a little. Well, we get a, the title for Harold mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, and then we get, which is a, the tribute to Harold Ramis, and then we get a post-credit sequence, which I was. I was kind of disappointed with it. I was disappointed with the Bill Murray Sigourney Weaver. Oh, you didn't like that? Scene. You didn't like that one? <laughs> it was I I I liked it, but I was like, so they're gonna save this bit for the end with Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, it would have been not. It, it would have even at the post credits. It would have been better if they just had this happen after everything that happened. Like like after the world all of a sudden dissolved into, you know, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. But no, they had to play it after the main main end credits. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know it's a post credit sequence. But mm-hmm. which I'm getting really tired of those. By the way, do I have to sit through all the post credit sequences yes. to catch? Yes, this? yes, no, Chris. I can't. Old I man Koenig. <laughs> I don't care about knowing about who brought. Bill Murray, his sandwich in the credits, or <laughs> you know, or anything like that. I, I just, just, just play it before the credits. But anyway, <laughs> so it's basically a reprise of the opening sequence in Ghostbusters, where if 
if some of you may recall, I know you will, Tim. Of course. Where um, Bill was sitting with this electrical device. Electrotherapy, yes. yes. Electrotherapy <laughs> test, testing ESP abilities because he was holding up these cards. <laughs> and he would see the card where it would have like wavy lines and someone would have to guess what was behind the card. Right. And if you remember, yeah. there was this cute girl that Bill was into right. that he, he was letting off the hook. Like she, he, like he would have like a card with a circle and he'd say, right. tell me what it says behind this card. And... Um, it turns out, uh, you know, she would say it was a square and it wasn't and yeah. say, oh, you got it right. OK, you don't get shocked. And he tells the kid, the, the man, the yeah. boy sitting next to her, yeah. OK, what is it? It's a triangle. He says it's uh, or no, it was wavy line. No, I'm sorry. No, it was a triangle. And he right. guessed wrong and he'd shock him. <laughs> yes. And then when he guesses it right, it's wavy lines. And he goes, it's, it's I'm shocked. sorry, this is not, not your lucky day. day. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, what is the point of all this? He's like, it's a test, like the negative uh, something against ESP. He goes, I'll tell you what the fuck, it's pissing me off. It's like, we're paying you, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. You can keep the five keep bucks. The five bucks. <laughs> Thank I you, will I will. <laughs> but, um, so they, they're doing that. Sigourney Weaver's character is doing that to Bill. Mm-hmm. And, but the problem is, is like, so did Bill and Dana, did, did, did Peter and Dana finally get together? I think they all made, these years? I'm did they pretty sure they did. Did they live together in this apartment? I don't That's understand. for part two. That's for part, part two to happen. Do I have to wait for part two? Yes. Or, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, part four? <laughs> part four. Yeah. yeah. Yes, part four. Yes. But anyways, so she's doing that to him, and he actually gets it right. He says wavy lines. Yes. And she's still shocked, and she still shocks him. You're right. And, he, and what, did, what, did, what did he say? He said, oh, this thing was – I got a lot of girls with this thing. Yes. <laughs> Because he marked the cards, he knows exactly what's. Yeah, yeah. Because she said, she says, "Did you mark these cards?" And he goes, yeah. "No, no. <laughs> yeah, yes. I did." I did. <laughs> but I was like, "It's it's cute," but I'm like, uh, uh, "All right, it's all right." But you know, that's... and then we finally get to the next post credit sequence after we see the MPAA logo and mm-hmm. you know, processing lab. It's where <laughs> Ernie Hudson is at his big business. Yes, with with Annie Potts, his character. Yes, Annie. Man- mentions how he's like carrying Ray's occult bookstore. He's been paying all his bills. And he yeah. says, sooner or later, Bill's store, sooner or later, Ray's store is going to turn a profit. <laughs> <laughs> so Winston is a, um, did very well for himself in some sort of business. And now he is uber, uber rich. <laughs> and he's yeah, out of all these characters, it was yeah. going to be him. <laughs> well, he'll believe anything you say as long as you're steady paycheck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I've seen shit that's going to turn you white. <laughs> but oh. uh, so he's now got, and he's talking about the good old days and how I actually did kind of like this part. But again, I felt like it shouldn't have been like at the end credits. It should have been before the end credits. Because yes. like I said, you got to sit through the entire end credits before you get to this. So um, where he talks about how he was just a guy who was down on his luck and he they gave me my start. Yeah, and he found the first job that he, you know, was like, wasn't sure about, but he, he took it and he, you know, worked his way up. And then eventually he went off on his own to do his own business. And now he's successful. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to it. Okay. I'm sorry, what? No, go on, go on. I'm sorry. So then it cuts to a scene of him entering into the old abandoned, you know, ghost house, Firehouse, which was supposedly yeah. turned into a Starbucks, but 
It turns out Ray Stance was lying. Or it's or been 30 some odd years, so it could have or been confused. An... It was the building next door that was <laughs> yes, right next to the Chinese place. Yes, <laughs> right, 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 where they bought their food for their magnificent feast <laughs> in the first movie. Yes. So, so and of course the Ecto one is in there, and then of course we get a shot of the containment the, the the containment union unit unit yes. And it, the, the light lights up, indicating that something might happen, and then we cut the black, and the movie's over. And that's yes. that's 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 Ghostbusters Afterlife in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Yes. Uh, so, final thoughts, Chris. Man, this is a tough one. It really <laughs> Jesus. Is. Wow. It, it is. It's a tough one. I I. Uh, you know what? I am going to take the bullet. And I am going to go thumbs down. Wow. So any of you fans out there want to send me angry emails, go right ahead. We'll read them. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, like I said, I didn't hate the movie, but I was just disappointed in it. I thought there was a lot of possibilities. I thought there was more that they could have done. I thought there was room for improvements. I, you know, I mean, the fact that it took so long, I'm not, I'm not talking so long since it's like original conception back in 93. I'm talking like since 2019, you know, I 93. Mean, or, uh, well, no, no, I, I cut that slack because okay. that was stuck in development hell. Oh, gotcha. I'm, gotcha. Talking, I'm talking about like they were working on this, like this. Oh, another, uh, an, an, oh, another sequel. So, gotcha. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were working on this, like, back in 2019, as we talked about. Like, they had it in production, and they mm-hmm. were starting. And then it got, like, its release was postponed, you know, because of the whole COVID thing and everything. So I would have thought for such a long time working on it, you know, uh, just shooting this thing, that they would have tried to, like, etch out its problems and and things. And I'm, I, you know, like I said, I, I was, you know, hoping for something more uh something it is different but stylistically speaking it like i said it i I felt like i was watching an indie drama trapped into a spielberg movie and i was not really digging that that much and uh i don't know i I, like i said before i just felt like there was more that could have been done to maybe make it a little better i mean for me i'm certain everybody else like i said everybody else enjoyed it fine but I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be Killjoy Koenig here, but it's just uh, you know patent pending, patent pending, <laughs> along with my Jaws two syndrome <laughs> statements. But um, yeah, I just, I was just, it was just kind of meh. Okay, so you were underwhelmed. Underwhelmed, yeah. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Very okay. disappointed in it. So yeah, thumbs down for me, folks. Sorry. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, it's not always going to go your way when it comes yeah, to reviewing movies. So uh, obviously, mine is a huge thumbs up. I loved it. So <laughs> there's not much more we can say. We did you, Tim? Did you? I really love this? did. So thumbs up. <laughs> By the way, Tim, did you forget Finn Wolfhard is in this? <laughs> How could I have forgotten the V Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things? From on Netflix was in this movie. <laughs> so fellas, check out Stranger Things the movie and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> I'm sorry. This movie, this movie also had the Stranger Things vibe going through it. <laughs> You've got Stranger Thing vibe. <laughs> I know it's just me. I so mean, you know, you, you know, ghosts, Ghostbusters, Finn Wolfhard, um, you know, crazy shit happening, you know, rehashes from the first movie. Yeah, it, it, this movie's got it all. 
Including Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> the Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> the Finn Wolfhard. Okay, uh, so, so so guys, before we bounce out of here, we're going to go over to the Kids Corner real quick. We'll be right back after this with our closing comments. Hi, I'm Nate, and welcome to Kids Corner with my dad, Tim. Hey, that's me. Uh, Kids Corner will cover family-friendly films and TV shows. And maybe not-so-family-friendly movies. <laughs> so, listen in. Good evening, Venom. Hi, Mrs. Chen. He says hi. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I've been thinking about you, hey? Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number. Because you and I are the same. Every decision we ever make. Who do we leave behind, and how do we leave them? Waiting in the darkness for the rescuer who never comes. Welcome back, Eddie Brock. It's been a long time. Miss you so much. delivery hasn't arrived yet. No! We had a deal. What's gonna happen? You're gonna stop protecting me? I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. What? Nothing. Thanks, Dad. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Kids Corner. I'm Nate, and I'm joined by my dad, Tim. Hey, buddy. How's it going? So I think we'll be talking about some Venage, uh, Let There Be Carnage. Venage? I'm sorry. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Wow. <laughs> it's been a long day. We are Venom. Okay. So, bud, uh, why don't we get to the synopsis right away and uh, let these good people know what it's about. Okay. <laughs> Venom, Let There Be Carnage is a... A 2021 American superhero film featuring Marvel, the Marvel Comics character Venom, produced by Columbia Pictures in, uh, in association with Marvel, distributed by Sony, Sony Pictures releasing. It's the second film in Sony's Spider-Man universe and a sequel to Venom 2018. The film was directed by Andy Serkis from a... Screenplay by by Kelly Marcel, based on a story she wrote with Tom Hardy, who stars as Eddie Brock and Venom, alongside Michelle Williams, Nomi 
Harris, mm-hmm. Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, and Woody Harrelson. Brock and an alien symbiote, Venom, must face serial killer Cletus Cassidy Harrelson after he becomes a host of an offshoot of Venom named Carnage. Okay, very good, buddy. So, yeah, so this movie uh, takes place a little while after... Venom. A little, a little while after Venom. Which was our last Kids' Corner segment. Yes, from our Christmas episode. And in that, we get a teaser of Woody Harrelson as the uh, serial killer, Cletus. And it all starts out where um, Cletus uh, is on death row. Um, and he wants to talk to, I believe, Eddie Brock. Yeah. And, and he, and they they talk and he wants to, and in, uh, for, for exchange of information for, uh, dead bodies, I guess. And he finds the dead bodies and they're going to now speed up his execution or he's going to be executed because of the bodies that were found. More bodies were found. Anyway, uh, as a last meal on, on the day he's supposed to get executed, Eddie Brock, meets with Cletus in the holding cell right before he goes to the lethal injection chamber. And um, there is some back and forth between the two, and and Cletus says, you're much like me, and he's like, oh, I'm nothing like you, and oh, but you are, blah, 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 back and forth. And it turns out that Harrelson ends up biting Brock and getting some of that symbiote blood into his bloodstream. Yeah, the blood um, mixed with a little part of the symbiote, which made it red. Right, but so now... Uh, Cletus now has ingested part of the venom or the symbiote yeah. that was in Brock's blood. So when he went to the execution chamber, yes, Carnage stopped the like um juices that were supposed to kill him. Right, and or maybe didn't mix with it. You think? Yeah, I'm. It could be. It could be both. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and um. Because I'm not, a, I, I, I don't know. Oh, sorry, I don't know a lot about the whole Venom. I'm not a big. I, mean, I like Venom, but I don't know a ton about that superhero, like the, the whole the whole backstory of that. Yeah. So go on. So, yeah. Wait, what was it? So it, we said so yeah, we, yeah. Said we didn't know how yeah, if the mixer yeah. stopped. I, yeah, and then the lethal injection. But then, Carnage was born basically. Yeah, and, he yeah, and then um, he killed all the police officers and almost all the prisoners. Yeah, he, he escaped through the um, uh, the prison and um, got out into the real world. He broke out of prison, broke out of jail, um, and he, now he, now uh, Venom and Cassidy are on the loose. And it should also be noted that he has a girlfriend slash fiancé that, uh, that he wants to... Has supersonic screens right. that can easily make people death. Deaf, de- yeah, deaf. deaf, deaf, as in they can't hear, not yeah. deaf, like as in yeah, dead. Yeah. So, um, yes, and that's what happened with that police officer. That's why he had that ear chip, that hearing chip, in, the, the, the hearing in aid, one of his, the hearing yeah, hearing in one of his chips. Right. So now Eddie, brought, now um, Cletus is out on the, trying to break out his girlfriend from the uh, asylum, same asylum or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, Venom is there to stop Venom and uh, Tom and. Uh, Eddie Brock are there to try to stop him, although I believe uh, Eddie doesn't want anything to do with it, right? Yeah, and, and then, Venom, or is it, or am I, or is it reversed? Does no, Venom Venom wants to stop Carnage? And um, and Eddie doesn't want anything to do with. Yeah, this. they they kind of have they kind of break <laughs> they kind of break up. <laughs> and then they break it, and they break his apartment 
Right. Venom breaks his apartment. Right, right. <laughs> Venom needs brains, and all he's, he's t tired of eating what chicken brains and like all and chocolate and chocolate. <laughs> I don't know why he needs chocolate to survive. Well, it's 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 something in the chemical release in the chocolate that helps with his with his uh, nourishment his, or his his brain nourishment yeah, or whatever. Something like that. It helps nourish his body. Yeah. But it's not enough. He needs human brains. He was like, oh, Eddie can be eat him. He's bad. <laughs> but there's one point in the film where both Eddie and uh, Venom kind of break up. And but, Venom, like, 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 they're not friends anymore. So he leaves uh, Eddie and... He goes to a party. Well, yeah, he goes to a party. But he's he's in, he's in he's going to other people, other hosts, other people. But he's realizing that their bodies are wearing out too fast. And he's perfectly me uh, meshed with Eddie's body and his DNA. So... He can he, he can survive on that. The other ones when he when venom um, when the symbiote attack attaches itself to a person, it tendencies to wear out the body. It tendencies to kill the per it has a tendency of killing the person. Yeah, which I guess like it, it has to be like the right bloodstream or something. It has to be the, the right, right DNA. Yes, yeah, right the, DNA the, the, to keep the person alive and keep the symbiote alive. Right, it's a, you know, yeah, a, a, a marriage of sorts, yeah, yes. because within the first film, you see a lot of people merge with different symbiotes, and most all of them die because they don't have the right DNA bloodstreams, mm -hmm. yeah. So, anyway, so Nate, give me your top three uh, moments of the film. Um, one of them is when um Venom was at the party, and he, um like, goes up in the crowd, and everyone says, like, nice costume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when yes. it's not the, really the, a costume. The underground dance club, yes. Yeah. <laughs> when it's not really a costume. Right. Okay, okay. That was number one. What was uh, number two favorite part of the film? Um, towards the end of the film, where um Carnage gets eaten, and then... And then Cletus is trying to make friendship with Venom and Eddie, and then, and then Venom's like... This guy. Oh, yeah, that was at the very end. Okay, yeah. so that was that was the end of the uh, end of the film. So, uh, what's your uh, third third favorite part of the movie? Um, my third favorite part's probably in like the cutscene towards the end, where um at when they're when they're at the beach and then they're like, "We are the lethal protectors," mm -hmm. and then Venom's like, "You really meant it." <laughs> right, and, and then what is what is the. Uh, what is the the um, the, 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 the the if you stay for the stay for the end credits and you see the other uh, the extra bonus scenes? Yeah. What 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 is it setting up? Um, it's setting up for Venom coming into the MCU and fighting Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pretty sure in um Spider Man four, um not um for Tom Holland's I'm I the new, I think the, new gonna... the new Spider Man trilogy may be coming out soon. Yeah. That'll be coming ho out uh, hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, they might. Um, Peter Parker might been bond with the symbiote, like like Tobey Maguire's. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> Ho hopefully with much better results. Yeah, because <laughs> um, they just introduced Venom way too early. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot that 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 part Spider-Man Part Three with Tobey Maguire got wrong, and um, they, that they tried to fix in uh, No Way Home. So, okay, Nate, um, your rating: thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs up and a thumbs to the side. Okay. It wasn't better than the first one. Okay, but you, but By you liked a mile. it. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, so would you recommend this movie to a friend? Yeah. Would you recommend this movie to your fourth grade class? Maybe. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, was it? Uh, is it scary? 
No. So what would you give it? Uh, 10 being scary, 1 being not scary at all. What would you give it? Zero. Oh, geez. Okay. So uh, in my personal opinion, there was um, nothing too uh, nothing too raunchy or risque or uber, uber violent about it. Um, it could have been. Except it kind of should have been. Because yeah. <laughs> it's Venom. Right. It's Venom. And it's, Venom is kind of like Deadpool where you, you kind of, you want that like rated R kind of feel to it. And there was lots of violence and lots of deaths. It just wasn't very bloody. There was literally no blood. Like in the first Venom, whenever Venom bites off a head, you don't see the blood. Right. You don't even see the body. Right. right. And then it, it should have been more like Deadpool. But mm-hmm. I digress. So um, it's it's safe for the whole family unless they're uber small. Um, and I'm with Nate. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the first one. And after our second viewing, I liked it a little bit more than the first time I, I saw it in a the movie theater. So, um, I think that about puts a bow on Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Nate, you want to tell the dear listeners what they can uh, expect in our next Kids Corner? Finding Dory! (laughs) Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Alien. From 1979. Uh So, uh, stay tuned for that um, uh, segment. So, with that, good night, everyone. Peace! Do you want to do your Venom? With our venom. We are the lady double detectors. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
So we stay tuned to social. It. So stay tuned to our social media pages like Twitter and uh, me on the my me uh, Tim at that horror guy at the slasher app and uh, what else Instagram. There, <laughs> I think that covers everything. So for Chris Koenig, I'm Tim Kaza. Have a great night, and we'll see you next month. A grasshopper went into a bar. The bartender said, "We have a drink named after you." The grasshopper said, "You have a drink named Steve." Thank you for listening to That Horror Show Podcast, Season 8. Have a good night.